0: This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.
1: Morning all, hoping went well for you. So, they talk of weather in the papers this morning. They say the exams are over, but the leaving cert weather will persist. Today anyway, because they even in the second paragraph of the mail, they say, but watch out, there'll be uh, some drizzle around tomorrow. Uh, hot took you so long, summer is here at last. They're fierce optimistic in the red tops, aren't they? What they're saying thousands are expected to pack Ireland's beaches As the hot week of temperatures hit 20 degrees or above, yeah, it certainly will be that. But blue blue skies and sunshine across the whole week, not just any time yet. Uh, But I love headlines like that in spite of it. Beaches and sun cream is the front of this morning's mirror today. The heat is on. Some parts of the country could hit 23 or maybe 24 degrees uh, at some stage this week. So all nice in that regard. Mind you, if you're heading overseas, big problems, of course, for foreign travel because uh, Irish families are being warned of a holiday hell warning. They're talking on the front of the mirror today of a summer of travel chaos. Ireland hit as strike action looms across Europe and hundreds of staff and unions and airports across Europe have called for strikes, uh, resulting in airlines being forced to cancel their flights. My chat with Owen Corry from uh, Travel Extra a little later on because he's the travel expert in these kind of things. What kind of chaos could be expected across the back end of June and into July and August, he will well know. Uh, our summer will be unpredictable chaos, says the Star today, quoting those people in the know uh, because of uh, issues involving, uh, I suppose, paying conditions. It's always paying conditions, ultimately, isn't it? And pay was a big factor, of course, on Saturday. Rent was another one, Uh, the cost of living, uh, all sorts of stuff associated with uh, how difficult it is just to put uh, one step in front of the other or turn on heat or put petrol in a car or rent a house or buy a house and uh, anywhere between a thousand and two thousand people marched for that cost of living protest in Cork. It was part of many protests across the country it's the front of the echo today where they say thousand marched to protest cost of living crisis. Those that were at at it said there was more than a thousand. I'll come back to that uh, a little later on this morning but when you talk about rental costs or indeed certainly with regards to uh, say anything to do with retail it's an interesting story in the examiner this morning, where they say the Cork City Council has the highest collection rate of vacant site levies of any countries, any of the 31 local authorities across the country. Apparently, they've managed to rake in just under a million from owners of vacant sites, those that just sit on them uh, in the last four years. Uh, There's still about (coughs) 600,000 outstanding. Uh, Other councils across the country haven't been as efficient as Cork City Council in this regard. So a million in, uh, half a million still to get. But the highest vacant site levy collection rate It's even sad that we're even talking about vacant sites in this day and age. But Airbnb make the papers as well. They've come in for an awful lot of criticism of late because, of course, they have hoovered up an awful lot of homes that heretofore would have been in on the likes of Daft, uh, for rental many many landlords fl- landlords have flipped into Airbnb there's more money there but they're saying they're not to blame uh, for the country's housing crisis they're asking now for a new register uh, and new rules like there is rules there are rules in place this uh, this planning permission rule if anybody has a property and they want to advertise it for rent on Airbnb they have to apply for planning permission very few actually do so Airbnb now are looking for a new register of landlords um, if everybody played ball the register that they could use would be the RTB register, but many, of course, don't bother with it. Uh, but, you know, you go back to things like uh, the the, mar- the march in Patrick Street, uh, or the, indeed the rally in Patrick Street on Saturday. Some of the issues, of course, that we're talking about were things like raising social welfare payments, raising the uh, minimum wage. Um, you know, they're also talking on the mail this morning about a tax break needed for motorists. Now, I think there's support growing within Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael uh, for car tax to be axed as part of a, a package of measures to help hard-pressed families. As you often find in this country when you get something with one hand they take it with the other. So I don't know whether all cars would get a tax break with regards to uh, you know taxation on On vehicles, But there certainly isn't anything talked at all about the real elephant in the room here. And this is the cost of excise and VAT and levies that put on a litre of fuel by the government. But there was great news over the weekend. Mind you, I was coming back through uh, Corraheen and coming in from the West yesterday afternoon and the traffic trying to get into the summer show. Never seen the likes of it. I would say that they probably had their biggest summer show ever uh, this weekend just gone. It was incredible because as you're driving along on the flyover and driving on the link you can see field after field after field after field with all the cars parked up and then literally hundreds and hundreds of others just trying to access uh, the summer show yesterday. So I hope nobody got um, a bit, uh, you know, delayed trying to get in there. I suppose, you know, a traffic jam isn't the best place but uh, to be, but I hope everyone got there eventually. There is a kind of a sidebar story that makes the examiner of a, a young bull who got loose at the summer show and was shot dead to protect the public. Now, this bull didn't get loose when the public were there, but apparently a trained marksman was called into the area to kill the misfortunate animal, which is, which is quite sad. Papers also talk of other aspects of sadness. And that has to do, of course, with uh, people who struggle during the pandemic. They have research out now saying that uh, over half of the women that they researched uh, were depressed or suffered depression during the pandemic. It's understandable why you would. So for some, depression. For others, boredom. For others, totally fed up. Other people, of course, sick and most important of them all, those that lost their lives. But they talk with quite an amount of 20-somethings, apparently, in this research, where the number of men also experienced uh, in depression nearly doubled. You can, you can kind of understand that. It was so life-changing for many people. You know, the the issues that were impacting on their lives, the 20-somethings' lives, was job losses, the worry about job losses, difficulty studying remotely, no face-to-face contact, all, the, all of it. Socializing for a 20-something, very important, all that taken away, not being able to hook up with friends, not being able to engage in sporting activity. Or, you know, you, one stage we were down into... a. Uh, You know, a 2 kilometer radius, so there was very little opportunity for people even to go for a decent walk. So all of that then led to people turning to unhealthy eating habits in particular, and they hone in on women, and it says in the Independent this morning for women, eating more junk food sweets and chocolate was also associated with an increased risk of depression. They also talked today of the papers uh, who, in front of the Echo this morning and also the Sun today, talks about a typical night out for many Irish people now, it no longer involves a bottle of Wine with a meal, or a few pints, or a gin and tonic, or having yourself and maybe a meal. In some cases, it can be up to eight different drugs taken on a night out um, in quick succession. So you're talking about cocaine, ketamine, and booze is a typical example, and it's becoming more and more prevalent, and it doesn't seem to be changing in any way, shape, or form. Just getting a hell of a lot worse. But I did come across a pint. Not that you'd ever want to drink a pint of beer, whether it was draught or bottle that comes in at something in the region of uh, I read it 11%. Is it any wonder they describe this this beer as a, a syrupy? Um, I mean, it tastes quite overwhelming, they say. 11%. Like, beer should be no more than, I don't know, 3.8, 4, 4.2, 4.3. But apparently it's selling at 90 euro a pint in the UK. If you're daft enough of it, that is... To actually uh, spend it and buy it. And another arson attack, it would seem, although it hasn't been 100% concerned, confirmed, but this is again out in Ballancolleg, the historic powder mill site in Ballancolleg. And many of the people who look after and keep the, the the park as beautiful as it is, they're volunteers. And they're described as being absolutely heartbroken at the latest arson attack and act of vandalism. Garda Shikana launched an investigation. This apparently is a particularly beautiful structure, the old mill structure, uh, and got torched over the weekend. I don't know why people do that. They think that it's fun, and they think that it's uh, a good laugh, and it's far from it. I suppose sense is wasted on some people, isn't it? Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone 0818104106.
2: You're listening to the Number 1 Talk Show in Cork, the Neil Prendiville show. It's the best in Cork on Red FM.
1: Would you please tell Neil, first text of the morning, ah, uh, first text of the week, tell Neil he is barred from commenting on any weather reports from now and forever. A waste of a beautiful pool filled with toys, barbecue food, Sun Factor, new shorts and T-shirts for the kids. The list goes on. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate that. Um, uh, I know it didn't. it didn't work out as had been expected. The weather took a bit of a change. Um, um, on Friday, it was supposed to have been a hell of a lot better and it didn't really arrive, not by way of sunshine uh, I saw some people actually share there was somebody, it could well be that texter who shared a photograph on my own Instagram page <laughs> people got a good laugh out of it uh, I reshared it on my Instagram page then of a very lonely looking paddling pool in the back garden, all full of water uh, she said that the kids got into her for about 20 minutes half an hour or something uh, but then had to leg it. I suppose it was just too damn cold. So anyway, today is a good day. Make the most of it, because I can't guarantee any... Oh, I thought... It, yeah, I'm actually barred from weather weather report, so I'll keep my mouth shut. Okay, back to events over the weekend. Um, this is to do with the rally that was on Patrick Street uh, on Saturday outside... Uh, Brown Thomas. Uh, some are suggesting that there were upwards of fifteen hundred to two thousand. The papers are saying a thousand. Uh, Jim O'Hearn was there. Let's find out if he can put an accurate figure on it. Jim, good morning. Hey, how are you, boy? Thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand. What would you make of it? Uh, there, was,
3: there was about two thousand. there to be here. Okay, uh,
1: okay. I'll mean, be fairly reasonable. I mean, there was a big queue.
3: Like it was nearly filled in the length of all of Street. So you're about two thousand people there. But, um,
1: and all well-behaved. Oliver Plunker Street, yeah, but I did see photographs of Patrick Street that seemed to be awash with people.
3: Yeah, yeah. There was there was loads there, there was loads there, but I don't know how many of those were in protesting, but the protest itself I honestly felt like it was a waste of time, you know. Um, and it was very good for people to come out, but the likes of McBarry there and, and or, 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 yeah, McBarry and Thomas Gould, like they're selling the same thing. Let's let's look after the poor people on the door, let's get up the minimum wage. Uh, but they're doing nothing. They are doing absolutely nothing, you know. Yeah, like, Katrina to Toomey
1: do- was talking though. I mean, she she wouldn't hold back. She would have had interesting things to say, right?
3: No, but she can't. She, she can't change anything above in Dublin, you know. As as good as the lady is doing, you know. What I mean, but like we we have to look at our sitting TDs, and it's up to them to make changes. I approached Thomas uh, Thomas Gould, and I said to him about you know about people's taxes. It's not about getting pay rises, right? Well, it is in and everyone will get pay rises. there's no point getting. 10% pay, in the government taking 6% back. The thing, the thing here is to reduce people's taxes. You look at everybody's wages, and even if they get a Christmas bonus, since Veracca gets the bonus, not the people that fix the taxes. Not that's the first step, and that can happen overnight. We don't have to wait for anybody. That's overnight. This is what you can do for the people. That's the first thing you need to do. Hit that went straight over his head. He didn't even understand what I was saying. I said the same thing to McBarry, to and McBarry smiled, and he knew I was serious, and he, the smile came off his face. Like, tax back for the people, fix the tax system, and then you You have to... You mean reduce the
1: rates of tax,
3: is it? Absolutely. Look, if you can't understand that, if I put it this way, Neil. Last year, we had an apple tree with three apples on it. The government was getting one apple, we had two. This year, there's five apples on the tree. The government are getting three apples. We still only have two. It's that simple, if they can't understand this. We put it out to baby lambs for me. Bringing the prime we bring it back to There was from. a
1: lot of other stuff, though, that was actually protested against and rallied against at the weekend and on Saturday. And one was the increasing the the minimum wage. I mean, that's you know, you know, do you know what the minimum wage is?
3: It is. I think it's they want to bring it up to twelve something, you know, and then they want to bring it up to fifteen. But that's all fine and dandy. But that has other problems. It's ten fifty, isn't it? It's
1: which? It's ten fifty, isn't it? Ten fifty. Yeah,
3: yeah. you want to print princess first, and it's smaller again. But and uh, you know. Look, it, it it has to go up, there's no denying. And wages always go up, innit? but there's no point in bringing wages up unless you fix the tax. Whereas the minimum wage is no good to the girl or boy that's making 50000 and they're paying 12000 and on, on taxes. That's no good to them, and they're the people that are struggling with their houses.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's a start, isn't it? If minimum wage it, was brought up start, to... Well, I mean, I understand that the minimum wage ultimately isn't paid by the government or by the state, it's paid by... Employers, so they've that's got right. you know they've got a say in this matter as well, and they probably would be lobbying the government not to do that, wouldn't they? Saying we'll, we won't it, be able to survive. If, it. Even
3: if the employers done it, Neil, right? The government are still getting more taxes because people are getting more pay. All I'm saying is, fix the taxes. That's what you're. Imposed.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, you, keep say, oh, you keep saying okay, fix taxes, uh, raise the minimum wage. They also talked on Saturday as well about. Um, uh, getting a handle on rental prices, isn't it? P- capping them, putting a freeze on them. Was that talked about Saturday?
2: Well, it, you
3: know, I, I spoke to Thomas School about it, and I spoke to, to, to McBarry again, and all I got off Thomas School is that they're going to do a deal with landlords that have three properties. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know what they're doing, but I didn't hear anything about bringing down the properties. I did say to him that, again, let's fix this with taxes. If you're paying a 1, 1,500 euros a month on your rent and you're working you should get a tax relief on that it's already money that you've already paid taxes on so why couldn't you get 25 back No, if, if, if somebody has a registered property you're on it renting why should the government get half that in taxes again why not give something back to the boy and girl in the apartment they've earned the money they shouldn't be charged charges charge there much is no now.
1: there is no existing rent uh, sorry tax relief on rentals is there rental paid i, I mean
3: is if you, no, no, but it does happen, there's people for disabled. everybody else in the community seems to be getting some sort of help, except the worker, and they're being forgotten about.
1: Okay, other aspects then, of course, was just the cost of living, fuel, they would have talked about that, wouldn't they? They would have talked about food, they would have talked about the cost of energy. These are all of the key points that really yeah, are affecting Health it, as it, well it, is, is another aspect, all of that would have figured, wouldn't autism services?
3: Well, come on, look, look, they had an opportunity in Dublin there. I don't know who was it last week. Baraka called the Oyer your sorry, Sinn Féin, murderers and thieves and robbers. I think it was Doherty he was talking that The man doesn't know how to play a back ball because he could have turned around and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Baraka, we have children dying in this country. We have people that can't get health services. People are dying because of you. You don't have to be a murderer without pulling a trigger, you know. He yeah. didn't have the nuts to say it.
1: Yeah, I think he might have been he caught in the headlights. It. I think he was caught in the headlights with regards to what... Um, Brad actually said about him. Just uh, you, hold, hold, just
3: hold on
4: there, because I,
1: be I, because Tommy Gould is is, is uh, Northside TD of Cheltenham <laughs> joins me my phone. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Did you do you recall a conversation with Jim O'Hearn? I suppose you spoke to a lot of people on Saturday.
5: Yes, I did speak, but I, I listened to Jim and what he was saying in relation to tax and looking for for breaks and relief and actually one of the things. that we like. To be fair to Jim, I didn't have a chance to talk to him a long time on Saturday because it was a protest and there was a lot of people looking to chat about things. But his point about trying to give people, ordinary people who are struggling to pay their tax a break, is something that we're looking at, especially peer Storty. And what we're looking at is the universal social charge. Getting rid for of it? People, for, no, for taking low and middle income workers out of it. Like, it, it, to be honest, we're not... We're not going to abolish universal social charge for people who are on hundreds of thousands or millions a year. They can afford to pay it. We're talking about low- and middle-income workers to uh, raise the bands and take more and more people over. It. And I think it goes to what Jim is saying there about th- there needs to be a complete look at the tax system and,
1: like, expect...
5: What about tax relief on, on rental?
1: What about tax relief on rental or, or better tax relief on mortgage payments?
5: Well Neil, put it this way at the moment, right? We have run away rents. So if we just concentrate on rents at the moment, we want to cap rents for three years. Then an increase on rents for three years. Straight away that gives renters uh, it gives them a break straight away. And the other thing we are looking to do is to give renters a one month's tax credit back. So it gives a renter one month's credit back into their pocket. So these are ways that we can
2: actually... But but a rally
1: and a protest on Saturday is to get changed now, not in two and a half years' time if, say, for instance, Sinn Féin get elected into government. It's now.
5: So so what we did on Saturday, Neil, and it was a brilliant protest with great numbers, it was... uh, we, we were very, uh, we were delighted with the turnout and the, we had people from with young families to pensioners and everyone in between. And what we are looking to do is put pressure on the government right now, this week, to bring in a mini budget to help tackle, the, tackle the, the cost of living crisis and to put money back in people's pockets. And were you
1: happy with the numbers? I mean, the echo is suggesting as low as 1,000. Jim says as high as 2,000.
5: But well, Neil, this was a post-protest, right? And what happened then? Uh, on Monday, the cock match was called at the same time, and we had been advertising this for three weeks, so we couldn't change. Uh, there was a lot on Saturday. So we felt, you know, like if it was a 1,000 or 1,500 or 2,000 for a first protest on the cost of living,
1: we thought it was brilliant. Were there any I- other TDs there besides yourself and Mick Barry?
5: No, no. And the reason there weren't is how can they come in when we are calling in the government to deliver and the government TDs, these, they're, they're kind of an action. They, they don't want to know about this. They're waiting for the summer holidays so they can kind of, uh, so the government can kind of go into hiding. And what we are saying is we are not going to let them go into hiding. The government do need to deliver. And when I finished speaking on Saturday, a lady came up to me and I spoke about pensioners. In particular, as she said, she hadn't turned on her heating in her home since April. Yeah. Now, I know, I know it's the summer time, but if you're living in a house need, you still need heating. Uh, well, this is Ireland. This is not Spain or Portugal. People still need to be able to heat their homes, pay for electricity, their gas, and like there was a man came up to me. I was at the summer show yesterday. And he said, can you do something about petrol and diesel for people who are trying to go to work? He said, the government is talking about public transport. For most people, public transport will get them to walk. will get their kids to school. They need help now.
1: Yeah, but um, you're not going to be able to do any of that because you're not in power. So why is he asking you? He, he'd have been better what, off what? going. It was, a, it was a Fianna Fall tent at the summer show, I'm told, was there? Been better there, off there, going there, into the, TV, the tent. Were there, yeah, there, were there yeah. TDs in the tent in the summer show? I, I didn't see any of them. I didn't see any of
3: them. Hey, so, Jim, then, yeah. Can I just ask Tommy one thing there now? And I heard what he said. He's after talking about the old people. He's after talking about the people on low wages. And not uh, the same bunch all the time. I know this a it to is I think is a great position. I, I love That's not true. But the, the, just for the people, he hasn't mentioned once the people earning over 30,000. No, the people that can't get the medical cards and that's the people that are screwed. I oh, he didn't hear Tommy say once that we're going to look after but, them. And we're going to get the taxes down, and we're going to make sure that they can live and stay in Ireland. He's only worried no, about Mrs. Murphy down the road with the heating.
1: He says he's but going to take those. He, says says if they, he said they, w- they would take those out of the Universal Social Charges Band.
3: No, he didn't. That was only up to no, a I certain did, point. It, he turned around and he said, He's on about all the people that have big money, 100,000, 200,000. There's people on 40,000. Is he going to get take them out of the Universal charge Straight out, yes or no? Well, just to answer your question. Here start.
5: You know that we would give if if we have a way with the mini budget, we would give everyone under thirty thousand two hundred euros uh, cash payment. But oh, that's no good. We don't if, want any cash back no, If you let me finish, if you let me finish, that's helicopter money. That's no good. No, no, no. If you let me finish, and we would give everyone under sixty thousand one hundred euros. But what I also said is, anyone who's renting, we put a cap on rent and we give them one month's rent back in their pocket. And what we would also do then is we would break down the cost of childcare, which is like another mortgage to most families, and we would reduce that by two terms. And another thing we would do is we would break down yeah. college fees, we would eliminate them over, over the term of one government. That's in government. government.
1: I'm talking about now. Is this mini-budget going to yeah. happen? Is there a cross-party agreement for it? When the last week, the other
5: said in the chamber that they were considering it, and the following day and yesterday, the Taoiseach said that they're ruling it out. So we have the Tornish saying they're looking at a mini-budget or they're looking at doing something, and on the other hand, the Taoiseach is saying different. So what we have is we have the, the two government parties now fighting over themselves. The bottom line is we need a mini-budget. People are struggling, and to go back, to the point there, people who are earning 40, 50, 60000 they need help as well. And that's what we're looking to help do us also. And what so are you going to do is, with
3: them, Tommy? Like these are the, to, these are the nurses. These as are, as these are the talking? nurses. These are the people in yeah. call centres. They're living at home with their mother. They can't afford accommodation. The rent relief is probably no good to them, right? 200 euros is no good to them. We want solid taxes, not something that you throw around. Little scraps to keep little boys happy every now and again fix the taxes and We the vote of the universal social charge. Well, are you going to go forward with the next election and say that on your documentation that well, it, well, you're we would going say to eliminate you Google, if, and you're going to fix taxes? Because that's what people no, want.
5: No Jim, no, Jim, if you Google Peer Starter universal social charge, it'll give you all the details. If you Google Peer
1: Starty now, you'll see the row with Faradkar. What did you make of that? Yeah, well,
5: Neil, i put it this way. It's, it's fine for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gale to be talking about rows when people can't heat their houses or feed their children. And that's like that's the situation here. When when this government is is in trouble, they start dragging up things about the past. The problem is there was a, there was a thousand or two thousand people on the streets of Cork on Saturday. What they want is to you know what the other actors doing to help people. Not talking about standing up and looking good in front of all the senior buddies. They want you want Leo Varadkar to have a mini budget to
1: help people. Mm. What did what did Pierce Doherty say about it afterwards? Did you chat with him about it? What Varadkar said?
5: No, I was actually doing RT live at the time Neil, where you do read us questions. So that's, I was actually in there. And I went straight to a meeting afterwards. But like, like Pierce is always being targeted because he's a really strong performer. People really respect what he's saying and. I think what happened was, last Wednesday night, Fianna Gael held a, 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 a celebration of 11 years of power. Yeah. And if you ask any of the people who are on the streets on Saturday, do they think we should be celebrating Fianna Gale being 11 years in power? But they're allowed to have a practice. dinner
1: if they want, and they pay for it themselves, you know? There's well, nothing, listen, to, nothing listen, to, to do
5: with Sinn Féin. The, the point was they were celebrating. Fianna Gale was celebrating 11 years of power. Now, Neil, you have over the families who are going to be evicted between now and Christmas, right? People who no, these are people who are working. These are people with jobs. These are people who can afford to rent a
1: yeah, property, yeah.
5: but they're going to be evicted because they have nowhere to go. No, I, I dealt with a mother on Saturday who was very emotional with me about her son and his wife and her grandparents and kids being evicted. So, like, this is the reality. So, Fianna Gael... Yeah, here.
1: just fine. Yeah, you one jump, last one right. then, Jim. I need to move yeah. on. Yeah.
3: Tommy, would you agree so that the sitting government, Fianna Fall and Fianna Gael, are the new terrorists in this country for what they're doing to the Irish people? No hospitals, well, kids dying, people have been showing up the street. The British Army wouldn't have done this to us. Would you agree that they are now the new terrorists and that you're going to sort them out, move them out and fix, fix what's wrong? Yes or no? You see, that
5: kind of language, like, if you're dealing with a lot of parents with children with disabilities who can't get services, we were out there, I know you covered it on your show, Neil, uh, the first campaign, right, they're not not interested in about calling people's names, they need services for their children, the people whose homes are cold, they need them heated. We want to be constructed, we want the Taoiseach to say no. We need a budget to help the
1: people. All right. Okay, let me get some more calls on air. Thank you both. Gentlemen, Tommy Gould, Jim O'Hearn, text 868 Pick up the phone yourself. And, or indeed, you can always uh, email neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. <laughs> Talk to Neil
2: Prenderville now, 0818-104-106,
1: Cork's Red FM. Yes, indeed, Mike says there would have been many more there on Saturday, but for the Cork match, says Mike. Facts are the government couldn't give a rats. They're making way too much money. It's a total joke. The turnout on Saturday was less than 1% of the Cork population, Neil. You need to share that stat. Okay. text 0868-104-106. John, good morning. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind?
6: I was listening with interest there to the conversation that was uh, going. Yeah, it was good to give uh,
1: someone like Jim an opportunity to talk to a team oh, yeah. directly. Yeah.
6: Well, yeah. you know, you brought up the, the the what you call it, the the argument between between Varadkar and and, uh, and Doherty. Yeah.
1: Well,
6: well, Doherty, uh, don't he's 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 time or whatever he got, he's fine or whatever. Whereas Varadkar is still kicking it down the road. And,
1: no, uh, no he's not uh, It's the DPP yeah. have to make a decision
6: Oh, oh. Ah, yeah But according to Varadkar From any uh, statement That he's made It's all its all in hand And what, do we, what does he mean By it's all in hand No, he never It's,
1: uh, it's not it, That's not what he meant It means law. that he can't uh, Comment on it While the DPP making a decision Yeah, but, well He's not too upset about it Is he? Well, I
6: mean, He should have been He, well, he should have been sacked It's as simple as that
1: Has to be proven First though, you know
6: How much should there is proof? He's, he's he's admitted giving the information yeah. to his buddy. Yeah, no, he should has, have been sacked.
1: Yeah, okay, well maybe proven and, that it is actually an offence has been committed. Yeah, so, but you
6: know. yeah, well, he admits. I mean, if you if you're cautioned, you're cautioned by the police, or you're asked questions by the police, and you admit to a statement, that's held against you. That's the first evidence that they take, and that's what's used against you in court. Mm. Mm. Do, and, do, and, and, and that's the law yeah. so getting back getting back to the heating of the homes which is a, a big problem if you were living in Germany you would have no problem because Germany has gone back to using coal fed turbines
1: And in they've decided to burn more fossil fuels is it yeah because
6: uh, and they've been doing it for some time but it's obviously become blatant now because they're coming out public with it they started this after Fukushima blew up and they shut down all the nuclear stuff They've been burning coal for some time. Uh, yet, yet Mrs. Murphy down the road can't get a bag of coal unless she has 40 euros. But but Germany makes their own rules like they did when they moved the goalpost the time that Germany was in trouble and the German government bailed them out where the Irish government told the Irish companies we can't help it, it would be against the EU
1: regulations.
6: Germany makes their own regulations and nobody has a problem with it. I haven't heard any Irish TD. Uh, co- commenting on it, uh, Eamon Ryan has probably gone to ground in case he might be asked a question on that.
1: You're saying so that we should follow the German lead and burn more coal and turf.
6: What I said? I whatever I had to keep my house warm, and I and I couldn't care who's upset about it. Yeah, no,
1: but it's what? it's not as easy as that. as being able to afford to buy it.
6: What? Listen. There's plenty of timber knocked around the country and I know people don't have access to it and can't can gather it and, and, and whatever. But we're, we're being led a merry dance here by people who are, who are on the pulse of whatever the EU come up with and that's all they follow. We need, we need a sovereign government in this country for a sovereign Irish people. We're after bailing out the whole world and we're, we're in the height of trouble because there was no leadership. We have no leadership now. We have no leadership. You, might, you, you, you can you can stop carding yourself if you think we've leadership. We have two parties who couldn't get a vote amongst them, so they decided to do a sweetheart deal uh, to stay in government to, 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 to feather their own. Yeah, I, you, yeah you, you, but you, I
1: know, but we've always had coalitions here, you know, it could be Labour I, yeah, involved yeah, in yeah. it, the I, used to be involved in it. Yeah. There's nothing new there. I mean, I'm, OK, I no, fall, get, that's a new thing, I get that.
6: I, yeah, I'm I, 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 sure there you go. The, the 1920 went out to win, they should, next day they're going out to be in the Blah, they should bring down a blanket and cover uh, Michael Collins below, because he'd, he'd be embarrassed to see what's going on. We have no leadership in this country, none, and we've had no leadership for some time. All right. We, okay. have, nothing, we have nothing running that you could put your finger on and say that was a success.
1: You see, it's not just any one thing that needs to be fixed, but let's say you had an opportunity, what would you fix? The government,
6: i throw the government out and I'd, and I'd put people in, uh, cross-party, people uh, who are good at their job. Not not party politics. Party politics has ruined Ireland.
1: Yeah, because well, all they do is bicker and fight amongst themselves. So you get nothing well, done you, when you're bickering well, or looking over your shoulders. Well, you, you,
6: vote, you vote, for. I, I said, said this before, you hire a guy down in Cork, you vote for him. He goes up to Dublin and he's taught what he can say and what he can't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you only, do you only, do you only i tell you straight, we should all move down to Kerry. Because the brothers and Kelly are the only boys that seem to be getting the thing right. They know what's wrong. They've got their finger on the pulse and they get it done. And you don't get in the way because they have such a majority vote; they don't need parties.
1: Okay, let me get some text on the air. Thank you, John. As always, uh, Marion Douglas says, just to let you know, on Tishuk and Michael McGrath did a walk around at the summer show yesterday afternoon. They were pressing the flesh. It looked like me to me as if they were on an election campaign. So they were at the summer show yesterday, at least, me Hall Martin. And Michael McGrawer. If Fine Gael were doing their job and running the country properly, they wouldn't have to draw up a book of dirt on Sinn Fein. Just shows how afraid Fine Gael are of Sinn Fein. They were both wrong in the doll, as in Varadkar and uh, um, Pierce Doherty, and took politics to a new low, says Desi. Why do they insist on calling the new Children's Hospital the National Children's Hospital? Face facts it's a Dublin hospital. Not a national one. Another one. Good man Leo in the doll. Hypocritical Sinn Féin as usual. Leo Varadkar in power over 10 years and look at the state of the country. A few weeks ago it was the Healy Rays and the away with the fairies comment. It seems that all he can do when challenged on the mess that the country is in is to start insulting the opposition. It reminds me of Donald Trump. Uh, Wouldn't it be great radio if you got the Healy Ray version of Leo versus... Doherty. Thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868 Just a quick one on the rally on Saturday. Uh, Valerie, Valerie Conlon was a former shop steward with Debenhams workers on, on Patrick's and We all remember the Debenham strike, which went on and on and on. Um, some of the workers at uh, Debenhams, ex-workers at Debenhams was there on Saturday also. Valerie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, um, what did did everybody get work after the Debanon shutdown? What happened well, there? No,
0: there's, there's still people uh, looking for work. Uh, some people went back to retail. Other people are doing clerical. Some people are doing their courses. So it's a bit of a mixture. And there's other people then that still haven't found anything.
1: But if I remember correctly, wasn't that what was offered and eventually settled on? Was uh, money towards retraining only?
0: Yeah. Three yeah. million towards retraining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we're is still you? trying to draw down. Did, you get a, did you, you get any of it? Well, now some people have gotten their fees paid, their um, college fees and things like that paid, but they're very, very slow in paying it out. You're put at the bottom of the list with all of the rest of the solace people that are looking for money, so it's taking months rather than a couple so, of weeks.
1: So oh, even though three million was promised and uh, and, you know begrudgingly and rightly so by you guys accepted in the end um, people are still struggling to get that and are their yes. courses and their training suffering as a result of it
0: Well no, because I, if, if it's a case that um, you're doing a course they'll, uh, they'll pay the course straight away but if you're looking back for money that you would have done a course before it was all agreed they had said that they'd paid that then people are still waiting for that type of money uh, any equipment that they need for the course people are waiting for that money for
1: months, so it's not know, made no. easy as usual. Sure it's not. No, no, it's no, a bit like it's a bit like not. the uh, 200 euro that people supposedly got, you know, this bonus for energy costs. It wasn't yeah. 200 at all. It was significantly less than that because you had to take the vat off it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it actually was something in the region of 165 euro people got yeah. and, and not 200. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. What did you make of Saturday?
0: Well, you know what, now, I know people were saying that they should be more at it. There was a, nearly, there was a thousand people there on Saturday. It's the first of hopefully a few more um, protests like that. And the fact that that amount of people did turn up, it was great. There, people were very passionate about it. You know, people are fed yeah. up. But well, when you
1: it. compare then the tens of thousands that went to the summer show, what is that telling you?
0: Oh, well, no, you can't compare it at the end of the day. People have been waiting for those kind of outings for the last two years. That, that's something that they planned into their lives. Uh, so they, you can't compare the two things. And a lot of people will sit at a table and complain about something rather than get up and do it. Yes,
1: yes. You yeah, know?
0: Yeah. So like, so they, they are talking about it. They are giving out about it. They're going on the radio giving out about it. They're sending in texts giving out about it. But they have to get on their feet as well.
1: And that happened with some. You say, some was suggesting there might have been 2,000 there.
0: Uh, I'm not going to say there was 2,000. There was definitely 1,000, over 1,000, but it wouldn't probably reach the 2,000. Okay. Now, as I was saying, like when we turned on uh, to the Grand Parade, you could see, like, because I was at the back, I was stewarding at the back, and you could see the crowd, and it looked it looked fabulous, you know, because it was such a good turnout. But I I wouldn't have said there was two, but there was definitely a thousand people there.
1: Okay. And Valerie, what about your own good self after Devon's closed? Do you mind me asking, what did you decide to do?
0: Uh, Well, I'm starting a course at the end of this month, but as well as that, I'm I'm actually working full time. Um, I didn't go back to retail because it's too volatile and I'd be afraid... The same thing would happen to me again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go through that again. Yeah. So I'm doing
1: clerical at the moment. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with that. And indeed, Thanks the course as well. Thanks for taking the call, Valerie. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. On the subject of the summer show, it looked absolutely incredible. It really and truly did. And I could see it, as I say, coming back yesterday. And uh, masses of people in cars. Now, not necessarily just talking about the traffic jams, which were pretty hairy, but all of the cars packed up and the massive big white tents. They just went on for field after field after field. Uh, Kevin was there. Um, struggled to get in at the start, I believe. Yes, did. <laughs> had
4: a bit of an effort trying to get but in but the But got there stars. in the end. Did. Did get there. Actually, it wasn't... I kind of got lucky in where I parked so we weren't too bad getting in and out it was a bit of a walk but sure it was a fine
1: day some um, fell apart so a BMW just on the grass verge of the link going <laughs> west Did you see that She just left
4: it <laughs> well I suppose if you want to talk about easy access back out onto the link then that's why we literally just park <laughs> on the verge and like, <laughs> drove up onto the hump <laughs> yeah and it wasn't in the most inconspicuous spot either it was right it. in, the, <laughs>
1: whole, in <there. laughs> the whole road I, saying, well, I certainly admire his courage or her courage really knowful
4: was taken anyway, that's the least. Um, no, it was brilliant. I have to say, even though that traffic is very heavy, I mean, look, it's in an area where it's going to be very hard to manage traffic. And I would say, in fairness, there was a big guard of presence when I left, um, on the Saturday. They were all out directing, or on Sunday, should I say, um, all out directing traffic, all out doing their bits, but, um, brilliant just i thought it was a fantastic thing to have um you know it i i'd never seen equestrian properly i'd never seen a proper grand prix i'd never seen a sheep judging competition <laughs> you know I've, <laughs> I've never you know there's so many there's so many aspects where I'm a city boy I'm like you Neil um, I go out into the country and the first thing I get the smell of the country and I start to pine for home but uh, don't, it don't is,
1: include me in that thank you very much <laughs> I loved how you put it from lamb judging to lamb burgers I know because of course a big part of the day out of course is food and there's huge amounts of food offerings massive amount of food offerings and also just
4: you know in terms of crafts local crafts I know um, some of the the wood turners were there doing their bit as well there. so uh they, they were showing some fine stuff. So like there was a real display of the kind of crafts, arts and crafts, food, produce, events. You know, some of the show jumpers were absolutely superb. So it was just great a great sample of Cork rural and city life.
1: Let's see what you had to say.
4: Uh, tea but not in a a normal mug as we call it. Uh, Can I ask your own name? Uh, Tom Allison. Tom, Tom, uh, amazing you guys here are working obviously as blacksmiths. I think a lot of people wouldn't know that fully fledged blacksmiths still exist. Yeah there's not as many blacksmiths now as farriers, Uh, about 500 farriers working in Ireland but under 100 blacksmiths left. What's the most common question you get asked? (laughs) <laughs> do you get burned? <laughs> and? <laughs> yes, almost every day. <laughs> but I saw you're so used to it now at this point. Well, it's not from grabbing hot bits of metal. Red hot bits, they do not touch me. It's either when they lose that red colour at 500 degrees, you can forget which part's hot, or it's the bits of the fire landing on you, or the bits of scale coming off the outside landing on you. What's... Is it a he or she, first of all? Sorry.
7: It's a he. Okay, what's his name? Lupo.
4: Lupo. Okay, and what's Lupo in Entering,
7: Um, he just did the best groomed dog, and he's going into large dog, and he'll be doing child handling, and the dog that the judge would like to take home.
4: Oh my God! So he is uh, a cloud with a face on it and legs attached. I think. What kind of breed is he?
7: A rough collie. A rough collie,
4: absolutely gorgeous. And Camira, are you enjoying the show? Yeah. Yeah, having a great time. What's your favorite part of it apart from the dogs? Amusement park. Right, I'm joined by uh, the amazing, the magnificent, the incredible Billy Bubbles. Uh, Which, which
8: one of three is the is the best one to have liked? Uh, Well, I suppose I'm not. And. uh maybe less than that depending on who you ask i suppose but yeah for my sins my name is uh, billy bubbles when i'm doing these shows i do the magic shows here at cork summer show uh, on the main stage uh littered throughout the day with uh, magic shows and around the likes of sharon shannon and the army band and people like that so it's a great fun atmosphere here we're having a great uh, great weekend and it's great to be back in cork in the real capital after two years of, of COVID layoff is there a lot of audience participation yeah, it's a bit I always describe my show as a bit like panto magic really. So there's a lot of interaction. I get some of the kids up on stage to help. But at these kind of events, I mean I do a lot of children's birthday parties and you know, five and six year old birthday parties, but these kind of events it's more of a family magic show. So although it's aimed at the kids and without the kids it wouldn't work, it really does, you know, entertain I'd like to think entertain the entire family. And yourself,
4: how did you end up getting into this this line of work?
8: Oh, long story. Well, as a kid, uh, this will be lost on anybody who's under 40, but there was a very famous magician on TV when I was a kid in the UK who had a primetime Saturday night show called Paul Daniels, and I used to watch it when I was seven or eight or whatever, then drifted away from it for a while, and then I, um, I basically got a job in a toy shop that had a magic counter in Dublin, and I got onto the magic counter there, and then a couple of other magicians used to come in and out, and one of them took me under his wing, and I did an unofficial apprenticeship, I suppose. Um, so I've never had a proper job. Uh, I put myself through college doing magic and then dropped out of college, to, to be a full time professional magician so thankfully I've been able to make a living and provide for a family by being a messer
3: and some judges will line them up
6: randomly and make a decision as he's going by and tapping the the, the, the
4: first place second place etc getting on the show so what's your own name farmers Lewis Lewis and uh, okay so how, are you enjoying the show today yes what's your favourite bit of it
7: uh, the machinery or uh, the food
4: yeah the and are you going to be going into farming yourself do you think no. no you just like the machinery? Yeah. The and then, come here. what do you, you think work, uh, of the sheep? Which Which one is your favourite?
9: Uh, Any in particular?
4: That one. That, why, why, why them? Uh, a no, on no, I I just like the colour the of them. And what's your name?
10: Joey. Joey. And where are you from, Joey? Cork. Cork.
4: And uh, Joey, are you enjoying the show? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and what's your favourite part of it?
11: So can we have all the first place winners? The sheep. Please. Why is what the is, the is it about the sheep you like so much? For the judge
3: to decide.
0: I like the colour of the wall. And it
3: was very.
4: Dan, I'll ask your full name if you don't mind. Dan Kelleher. Brilliant. And Dan, you're here with the Balancholic Vintage Motor Club. Yes. Um I can see your own Mini over in the corner there. Is that the bright yellow one? The yellow one, yes, that's right. That's <laughs> so, the corner with the other Minis. <laughs> and what is it about the, the Vintage Rally Club that... You're so popular around the country, aren't they? Yes,
12: yes, the R&D. There's people going to into the show nostalgia. And you have our heritage involved in as well, like, so people like to see what they were young when they were young, what they had and that kind of thing. several people come up to me and said, I had one of them when I was young. But my first car was a mini and there was loads of us just going to it. How they used to all fit into it. I met a fellow in Valencia with there we were in a run in Valencia there recently, they were the touring run there doing a beer and doing a carry Bell and Cali vintage top. And I met a person in Valencia Island and they said to me, We used to go holidays in one of them, myself and my wife and three kids and the luggage. And we used to take our portable television with us.
4: <laughs> you know, so like kind of where they used to put it? I was just shaking my head. I do not know. So <laughs> you know I mean, but, 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 there you go. I might ask you first of all your own name, Martin Coleman. Brilliant. And Martin, look, uh, I suppose from the real to the virtual, to the to the RC, because we were only over with the vintage uh, car club recently, and uh, I suppose a very different style of of racing. Um, they're four wheel drive, are they? But they're front steering. Yep, four wheel drive, front steering, and um, some people use the back wheels to steer as well. And you might see them
12: drifting around the corner and having a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, the four-wheel drive, front steering, um, little engines in them. They're quite powerful engines. They, they get up to maybe 70
4: kilometers an hour if they had a big enough um, area to get up to that speed. Ella, and what's your dog's name? Funny. And she's a Pom? Yes. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and you guys won first place today. What's... Uh,
9: in Best Groomed.
4: Best Groomed. Well, I'm not surprised. She looks absolutely so fluffy. Uh, what's the best thing about Bonnie? Um,
9: she's a lovely personality and um, she's my best friend. <laughs>
1: really? That's lovely. And it certainly was lovely. Great atmosphere from the summer show at the weekend. And so many people turned out. And by and large, the weather was kind. Text 0868 104 106. Got an interesting email uh, from John, who's in Canada. He asks, I have a quick question for you. What's the story with the next election? Well, about two, two and a half years, I suppose. It's a public vote for the next Taoiseach, correct? Well, technically not, really. You know, the Taoiseach is then decided, I suppose, by and large. Uh, it's usually the person that leads the the, the party into the election, uh, but not always. I ask that question because I keep hearing that Leo is the Taoiseach in waiting. What's that all about? Anyone I talk to doesn't want him or me hall to be leaders. And I'll tell you one thing. If there's a legitimate vote, then Sinn Féin will win the next general election, right? um well it depends on how they put forward, I suppose. And if they don't, then there'll be something seriously wrong because Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have destroyed the country for decades and it's time for change. I have my doubts, though, that we'll get a legitimate election because it seems to me that they have it all tied up and keep passing power back and forth between the two parties scratching each other's backs. Also, with regards to your piece recently about people struggling to pay for, say, coal or fuel, and on St. Vincent de Paul's help, even though I'm not living in Ireland at the moment, It feels like my situation. I'm in my 30s living in Canada. Uh, I'm struggling to make ends meet as well as paying for petrol every week. I'm struggling to put food on the table here and to pay my rent. I'm struggling to keep going and I'm just about able to keep a roof over my head. I don't tell my parents back home how, how bad things are because they shouldn't be digging me out at this stage of my life. But it's just hard to keep going and to stay positive. I wouldn't say I'm suicidal. But I think if I was a drinker, I would definitely have those kind of thoughts. I keep myself fit and healthy the best I can because that helps. Keeps me in a positive mental attitude. But some days it just gets me down desperately. And I can guarantee you there's a lot of people in the exact same situation as me. Unfortunately, I bet you we're going to lose some people through these dark days ahead. And that brings me back to my original point. The Irish government are just not doing enough and they definitely don't want the likes of me coming home either. Love the show, listen all of the time. Don't give up my details for obvious reasons. Appreciate that email uh, from Canada. I hope things improve for you. I really and truly do. Uh, And I suppose only time will tell. But keep yourself fit and healthy and keep working on the positive mental attitude text 0868 106 we're back after 10
8: hey it's Dave join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home big hits loads of fun features and traffic info what more could you need join me weekdays from 4 Dave Max Drive
2: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Back
1: to calls in a minute, but uh, some texts that have been coming across my desk of interest to all of us. I'm a civil servant. I'm being paid a tiny bit above minimum wage. A civil servant being paid a tiny bit above minimum wage. I drive 40 kilometers to and from work as I live in West Cork. My fuel costs 80 euro a week as my car is old and inefficient, but I cannot afford a new car. My car tax is €600 a year. I teach five exercise classes a week to try to get a bit more income, which costs me more in rent, fuel, and 25% of my profit goes to the tax man. I'm very grateful to have a permanent pensionable job, but it does not pay. My partner is a tradie as in a tradesperson, qualified in Eastern Europe, so his qualifications are not recognized here. He gets paid less than his colleagues, but is expected to manage these people and train apprentices. He works in Cork and pays €120 per week in fuel, back and forth. So that's €200 per week in fuel for the two of us. We never go to dinner, for a drink or even a Sunday spin anymore because it's just too expensive. We work all day, every day and are absolutely exhausted. I can tell you one thing, for us, this is not living. Uh, There's another one, contacting in relation to something that I hear very frequently on your show now and it drives me mad to hear the idiots who keep saying time after time, look after our own first. Okay, the government is letting down the people of Ireland massively. But you read out texts daily about people saying we should look after the Irish first, given out about immigrants, given out about people who moved here, given out about people who aren't Irish. And I think it's small mindedness. I'm Irish and I live in Canada. I get good health care here. I'm able to sign up for the dole if I need it. No handouts. And I'm treated the same as everyone else. There are thousands upon thousands of Irish people abroad who are treated very well. In Canada, America, Australia, the UK, around Europe, around the world. So this nonsense that people say we should look after our own first, giving out about immigrants, is nonsensical. First of all, they are allowed to be here. They are given visas, so it's not their fault for coming. Also, they are contributing to the economy. They too pay taxes. If there are sponges here, that's different. But I bet there's Irish sponges abroad as well people, open your minds. Yes, the people of Ireland are being screwed, left, right and centre. But let's not blame the people who have moved to Ireland, especially victims of war, who didn't have choice. Let's welcome the folks who moved to our beautiful country and not create division. I ask you, Neil, it's fine uh, if they're scoring goals for Ireland, though, isn't it? And that, of course, uh, is an email to come in to Neil at redfm.ie. A lot of contributions coming in from Canada this morning. Um, just contacting you in relation to something you hear frequently in your show, driving me mad, the idiot saying, look after our own first. Um, one or two more emails and texts. We do not need a government uh, for housing and health and all the things that we struggle with. The Irish public are now housing each other. We ha- we're having to go abroad for health care. What exactly are our politicians being paid for when the Irish people are forced to do it all for themselves? Where is the millions and millions of taxpayers' money being pumped into the HSE going? I'll tell you where. The HSE are using this to fund their own lifestyles. The whole organisation should be torn down. Administration and management are running the country into the ground, while laughing at the public with their big cars and holidays. It's the public's purse at the end of the day. Micheál Martin is the worst ever. How dare he treat Irish people like this? Housing Ukrainians to make him look like a Golden Boy in front of the European Union. How many more stories do we have to listen to whilst they laugh and laugh? all the way to their own personal bank accounts. On politicians here in Ireland, the faces in Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Sinn Féin will all change, but no political party will ever change the way this country is going. We have burdened our children and our great-grandchildren with chains around their necks that they will never break free from. I hear all the time about all the new jobs our government are bringing into the country, but when you look at the track record of politicians in general, we the public, the general public, gain very little from these multinational companies. The employees will have jobs and will pay top tax rates, yet the multinational companies will either pay nothing or very little. What have these companies given to this country? A huge lack of housing, overcrowded hospitals, very little places in our education programs. We're going from crisis to crisis and the problems are only getting bigger. If these politicians were in private companies and had a record like this, like the one they have in the public sector, they'd have been fired a long time ago. The population has grown by almost 2 million people since the mid-80s. Yet our government has passed our public housing, our hospitals and our schools over to the private sector. Do you think we can manage with less of everything and the population growing all of the time? The worst thing that ever happened was the local councils no longer building houses, building the public houses. This didn't happen by accident. It was self-inflicted by successive governments. All we've had is Fianna fall in, Fianna gale out and the other way around. It's like musical chairs, but it's with real people's lives. God love our elderly and young people and anyone coming into this country. We should be a thriving, successful country, but our government have wasted every opportunity they had. They will continue to do so until we grow a pair and take to the streets like the French. We have bad memories when it comes to elections. We either have given up and refused to vote or we will vote opposite to our last in protest. But what we really need to do is get rid of these gangsters in suits. And that's a selection for you. And believe me when I tell you, there's a lot more where that came from. Call the Neil
2: Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red
1: FM. Uh, Just one final text for now. You're on about the cost of living this morning. Uh, Yeah, many mornings. But what about those in direct provision centres? I'm an employee of one and see that almost 40% of the centre that I'm in have had their papers for over 12 months but are refusing to leave because they get their food and accommodation for free and some drive flash cars. I don't blame them for doing it but I do blame the government for not acting on it. Once they're employed they should be out and fending for themselves like the rest of us. Uh, I don't think you mean that, oh yeah, I suppose once they're um, papers have been cleared and they've been allowed to stay and given, I guess, landed immigration status, they should be out and fending from the, uh, for themselves like the rest of us. That's an employee saying that 40% in one particular centre have their papers over 12 months refuse to leave because they get their food and accommodation uh, for free. Um, bear in mind, this is a big bad world out there if you come out of a direct provision centre uh, and you have to go looking for a job or, I don't know, would you get uh, some kind of help with um, I don't think you'd get preferential treatment on a housing list, would you? I'm open to correction on that. Anyway, text 0868 106. Absolutely delighted to have an opportunity eventually to talk to Dennis Sheehan. And I'll tell you why. Joe Kerrigan started all of this in the Echo about a week ago, teasing us, uh, putting up photographs of the Cork horse troughs asking people to identify where particular ones were. Uh, don't you love that kind of cork nostalgia when you can look at the past and wonder, why was that there? Or why did they use that? Or what did that mean? Or, you know, what's that sign about? Dennis Sheehan has been doing uh, videos and making movies and films on 8mm for over 35 years. Joins me by phone. Dennis, good morning. Hi, Nate. How are you? It's great to chat with you. You're you're a Ballyvalan man, is that right? Yeah, close enough to Blackpool, so... And your family before you, where were they from?
11: Um, Up in Farman just at the back of Farman Rhoes,
1: on on, uh, Farman Rhoes Avenue. Love it, okay. So as I was saying in the intro, you've been making film and posting YouTube videos for a long time now, right? Yeah. And one particular one that we shared on our own Facebook, etc., etc., was one that you did, uh, it's fantastically done, actually, um, identifying the locations of the horse troughs, Yeah.
11: Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I've I've been doing it over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, once I found the last one in Farming Ferris I knew that I'd
1: enough material to do the rest. Did you use Google um, Maps for that where you zoom in and out from space, if you like?
11: Yeah, there's um it's a free program, um, Google Earth Pro. Um you can use it to make animations and uh, you know, to circle around objects and, and things like that. It's great tool and it's uh
1: all free. What do you know about the horse troughs, though? Um, well, look,
11: I, I use um, uh, OSI maps as well, the OSI Townland map, and um, from that, um, I, you know, what I, what I deduce for, I know export on it, but um, uh, that just the one in Douglas Street is in its original location. It looks like to be plumbed in and everything. Um, all the rest seem to have a uh, had been moved, moved around, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But they yeah, were, they, you see, I was often love to know who carved and made them. Right? Is the lads yeah, were telling me uh, that they yeah. were they were originally put in place in? Is it eighteen fifty two? was it?
11: Yeah. um Well, there's there's um, a limestone block on on um, Academy Street just over Bunsen, it has the same sort of design and. um has on that building that it's from 1852, but according to the National Inventory of, of M um, Architecture, they put the dates between 1870 and 1890. So, there's a bit of a mystery. We don't that.
1: know. We don't. But of course, no. the, the reason for them was because all goods and services were drawn by horse and cart. Yeah? yeah and horses yeah. needed water at key locations.
11: Yeah. And... um I think um, you know the one in Panna Place was just originally on the road, um, Lower Glanmire Road was in front of, um, you know, there the used to be a petrol station. There was a shop. The, the Unity
1: corner. Garage wasn't it? Yeah,
11: yeah, it was just in front there. It was sort of facing north to south. Um, the one in St. Luke's was originally behind the toll booth that was in the centre of the road. Someone
1: got um, definitely moved to the footpaths, didn't yeah, it? Yeah,
11: it did, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and that was the most difficult to try and get, try and get um, an image of because uh, the, the pub is sort of... It, it's nearly inside in the pub, so it's <laughs> up there all. <laughs> At
1: least it wasn't taken away. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the places that you're talking about, certainly anything to do with Parnell Place or yeah. areas like that, or down say the Keys, that would be because they would have been making bringing a massive amount of goods to and from ships, the horses, right? Yeah,
11: yeah, exactly. Like and um, like on the OSI maps, they have ones that are missing as well. There was one in Hargan's Quay one outside the passport office in, in the salt map. Go away. um. There was one in Anglesey Street, in where the, um, the Garda uh, car park is at the right. moment. Yeah. Um, one in Pope's Quay. One in the end of Barrack Street. And um, uh friend of mine, Catherine Ballard, um, let me know last night. There was one outside the river, the, the Jory's Hotel. So there, could have been a, there could, it could have been a dozen
1: there. of them then, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you'll find that. Um, I wonder they in the, I wonder if those other ones are still around, or in they maybe in Cork City Council lockup or something. You know.
11: Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, Catherine was telling me that the one by Jory's Hotel was actually put in the river, and I hadn't got a chance to go down and have a look at it. But why? It sort of adds Did up you say that why? Time. No, no. Um, uh, uh, just uh, uh, someone told the I think about it, but it was. Um, it sort of adds up when you go that way because the one. All oh, the other ones that are missing were right beside the river, like Hargan's Key, Popes, Popes Key. Yeah. Not the one in Anglesey Street, um, but the one in the end of Barrick Street. You know, it could have been just disposed of that way.
1: Yeah, I did Um, hear in the past that a lot of the time with old block and old brick, maybe including limestone, that sometimes they stored them, believe it or not, underwater so that they wouldn't perish or something. I I don't know. But you identified six, didn't you? So the Douglas Street one at the Capwell End, the Parnell Place one at the bus station, the Lower Glenmar Road, it's just by McLaughlin's, isn't it? The one in St. Luke's outside Hensheys. The Watercourse Road one was the fifth, yeah. wasn't
11: it? Yeah. Um, what my thinking is, that doesn't show up on the old map, but um, O'Connell Street is a fairly wide street for, for the rest of Blackpool. And my, my assumption was that they might have had a median down the centre of it where they would have had a horse trough because on some research that people done, they mention that it's on O'Connell Street. So... Uh, I'm not too sure if that would make sense yeah, or yeah. just gone assuming too much, but um I mean it it wasn't in the location it was anyway because that was um that that street wouldn't be as wide, I don't think back then. But the uh, sixth the one then, right? Yeah, you know, that's the mystery, uh, what?
1: yeah. what talk to us about that
11: one. Um I I seen it about when I was going up to Pittman training in, in Clarence Ferris, um, that must have been about 10 or 12 years ago. And I thought I'd imagined it, but um, I went up there recently and, and just had a look, and it's still there. In the school? It, it's, it's just inside the wall, just behind more, more or less where the security is. Um,
1: Farm Ferris College school? Farm Ferris College, yeah. Near the um, would that be near the Bishop's Palace?
11: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Maybe the bishop was important enough to get one, but <laughs> um, it was it was uh, it's it's not like placed on the ground, it's it's dead level on a hill. So it it was deliberately sort of placed there. And whether it was the one from Anglesey Street, maybe it's the only one that sort of wasn't by a river. Um <laughs> What's or whether it was put there. But, uh, Is it plumbed it, in? It's not plumbed in, no, so it probably wasn't in the the original location, but if you go back to the OSI oh, maps, there was actually buildings as, at that part. Um, you know, maps between eighteen eighty eight and nineteen thirteen. So there there was buildings at that part. maybe it could have been a stable, you wouldn't know. But um Maybe. I mean Yeah. I mean you, they're
1: fairly weighty to be moving them like aren't yeah,
11: they? Yeah, I couldn't imagine them being moved um around that time period because um I think buses and trucks were only Popular in Carkerman then, nineteen thirty. Well, think, these
1: so. these these horse troughs precede anything to do with mechanical engineering of that yeah. sort from the eighteen fifties yeah, or sixties or whatever. But what? Maybe but, somebody's listening who knows why it's up on yeah. Redemption Road in Ferris, the sixth one. Yeah. What kind of condition are they in? By and large,
11: uh, they seem to be good. Um, there's a bit of a crack eye in Douglas Street, and seem to be an attempt to paint it. But the rest are unpainted. They're, they seem to last through the ages. Um you know, a couple of them have got knocks from uh trucks. Probably not a car, they've disintegrated the car I'd say but, uh, <laughs> The car will you know, come
1: off it, don't they plant yeah. they, they use they plant in them, don't they? A lot of the time shrubs and flowers and things like that.
3: Yeah.
11: There is, yeah, a lot of them uh, have, have um they're well looked after, other ones are just um uh, growing white lettuce. The one up in Parliament Paris is is sort of just as um, a couple of trees growing out of it at the moment, so maybe probably need a bit of care. and care Yeah, to, a little you know, bit of TLC. Yeah,
1: I'd love to know, because they're quite ornate, aren't they, Dennis? I'd love to know yeah, who carved it, them, though.
11: Yeah, it's, um, I mean, they're, they're more ornate than, than what they need to be for, for them. Yeah, you know,
1: yeah, for the function. function yeah.
11: It, if you look around, um, you know, if you search, um, you know, uh, Hostrofts, they were in um, Dublin as well, obviously, around Smithfield, but they're, they're just more or less... Um, a stone block with
1: um water no, ours are much uh, more ornate they're absolutely yeah. gorgeous yeah, yeah i mean they're, you're they're, you're counting upwards of a dozen of them six of them on display yeah. still one of them in Farron Ferris and the other one's dotted around the around the city love to know yeah. who carved them wouldn't you
11: yeah um I, i'm not too sure who around in that oh. time period it yeah. is because it's it sort of it's it's sort of a disputed time period really but um i know the same design is on that a block on Bunsen and the building is dated on the top from 1852. I know what you're but saying. But you see, the stone masons
1: back in the day season. would have been very, yeah. very, very skilled craftsmen.
13: Very oh, skilled.
1: Yeah. And would have been well yeah. capable of, uh, of sculpting that, all of those out of limestone. And there are a couple yeah. of dog troughs as well, aren't there?
11: Well, I know of one of them. I should have got that as well, but I'll
1: leave that for the next video, I think. What, um, what other kind of videos do you do about, around car?
11: Well, um, I'm sort of uh, going through another one. I don't, you know, uh, focusing on the top of buildings because of them. Um, you know, people walking past that uh, wouldn't wouldn't really. You miss a lot of the detail yeah, yeah. at street level. But it's um, yeah, I found a few places. No, right. Um, you know there used to be a, a court and panoptes, a red building there that's in, next to the bank. Uh, it's stuff that. Um didn't know pass that. all the time really.
1: I didn't know yeah. that. Do you, and how do you do you use a drone at all for aerial stuff or do you use the handheld camera? I
11: used, um I use the drone up um I went up to um uh, Bridge Bridge uh, Town Abbey up in up by um Ballyhooley. We used the drone for that. But the the laws are are strict for in the centre. Yeah, you know, in the city centre, um and even around where I'm living because of Collins' barracks. Yeah. So it's it's only really out in, out in the wild that you, you could use it. It's um I mean the the drawing is licensed and everything but the, yeah. the rules are um are strict on it. But you know I'd 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 love to sort of use it at a, a lower level, but um no can do in the city centre.
1: No, oh, I know. I love how you put it though, you says I like to reveal history hidden in plain sight. Horse troughs yeah. are a typical example of that. If we could only get more people to look up off look up out of their mobile phones and look around them. Isn't that true?
11: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, even, you know, in the old bank, in and um, the corner of so mal I mean, the, the effort that people put in, you know, to put, you know, the carved in industry commerce, the whole lot up in the top of it, um, I was lucky enough to get um, a, a new camera that can sort of focus in on them. Amazing. But, um, yeah, this, this um, I mean, it all started because someone asked me a question about how many, how many horse trucks were there. <laughs> and suddenly then I realized that, I was walking past about two of them every, every morning and never knew they were there.
1: Hidden in plain sight, isn't it true? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah
11: absolutely. A, and, and there's a lot more to, uh, to incorporate on it. But okay. it, it's, um, it's, you know, anyone who's sort of filming now, you know, making videos for YouTube or for their own use, or whatever, that um, people will use these in the future to look back at history to be looking at the kind of cars we're driving and the
1: buildings and I what's totally there agree and what's you. on. That's why you're doing important work. If people want to see the videos, uh, how can they do it? What would they search on YouTube?
11: Oh, if they... Um, well, I, I just go under the name Ed N-T-V, D-E-N-T-V on YouTube. <laughs> um, ah, sort of, ah, uh, ah, I used to use my own name, but I, I, I thought sort of, uh, <laughs> that trying to practice makes perfect and trying to make it a bit more professional. I
1: think that's a good handle to have, Den TV. (laughs) Listen, will you stay in touch with everything else that you're planning in the future and we can chat again? I will, yeah. Yeah, no problem. Fair play to you. Den TV on YouTube, lads. Lovely chatting with you, Dennis. Take care thanks very much all the best back after the break
2: get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 086 8104 106 Red
1: FM just stay with this for a few minutes if you don't mind with regards to the horse troughs uh, we know of six Douglas Street Parnell Place the Lower Road uh, St Luke's Watercourse Road and the sixth one at Farron Ferris up in Redemption Road no idea what it's doing up there we also know from Dennis Sheehan that there could have been upwards of a dozen perhaps even more uh, but some of them, or at least half of them, uh, cannot be found or located. The Cork historian, Liam Maheen, might be able to solve the Fern Ferris mystery. Liam, good morning. Morning, Neil. Any idea yeah. why a horse trough is up by the Bishop's Palace?
14: Well, I tell you, I was up there and I took a picture of it. And there was your playing there. And I asked them, did they know what it was? And they said, of course
1: we do, just for holding flowers. <laughs> 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 it is now, but it usedn't to be for a long time.
14: <laughs> oh, actually, I know that. And I know. to them, so they, they were looking at me as if I had two heads. Yeah, I what I was on. It. But it's still there. There's a there's a little headstone, of, or not a headstone, um, a memorial stone there for Thomas McPartland and uh, Tom Sweeney, and he's just behind those stones. In the, in School. In 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 the Northman School, in the Northman School. The, the Northman
1: or Ferris which?
14: the Northman the mind. go up to the man's school and you can't miss it
1: oh yeah I'm confused now because Dennis said Farm Ferris no no
14: no it's in the, I, have, I have a picture I, I, if I can trace the picture there no I'll me alone, yeah but that's one story right but the, this is the best one that I lost. I knew this guy he's still alive <laughs> I won many his name I'm going back to the 50s now, now when there was a, a house trap up in um, where's the uh, Pimbal's Bridges now you know in the western Road there yeah but it was yeah. very, There was a horse trough there and this man was mad into fishing. And he was fishing under the, the river there. And if he caught his boat, he'd put him into the horse trough. And just This is true. And if you're passing up, you were talking to him, he said, if you want to buy one out, don't send the horse trough have to pick one out and give me a few
1: problems you can take it away. <laughs> he, was running so a little, he was running a little business out of the horse trough.
14: Yeah. <laughs> he's he that man away when I mention his name. <laughs> but he, he's retired... He's retired from the army.
1: I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how the horses like that idea of drinking water uh, yeah, from water that tasted of the fish.
14: <laughs> All the horses were nearly gone at that stage. Uh. They, were on the wheel. they were on the wheel. But then um, there was another one in the Pernod Place. And when they were um, doing a Pernod Place there a couple of years ago, it must be six or seven years ago now, they dismantled just, they just the horse track, And I got onto the city hall about it. And it was in this... <laughs> In the course, you know, it was down in um, Anderson's Key, And when I went down, it was in about, I suppose, 15 or 16 pieces. And I insisted on their putting it back, and they put it back up again,
1: as it was. What about the other like, ones, though? Sorry? He said there could have been upwards of a dozen of them.
14: Well, I didn't know a dozen, but, no, but I know the ones he was talking about, on of Forbes Quay and Douglas Street and Dylan's Cross. And... Um, <sighs>
1: You're absolutely yeah, walk, spot on. Walk, walk. Horse Trough is located at the North Monastery. It's next to the Brother Burke building. It has flowers in it every day, including uh, today. What's it doing there? Well, I, I was
14: even thinking that it should be in a more prominent place, you know. Because <laughs> but it's a historical thing, actually. It's a historical thing.
12: And just to tell you another story, you know, I was
14: down in this canal over the weekend, right?
1: Yeah,
14: And I... I made inquiries about um, Philip Ma- uh, Holland that invented, discovered the, the submarine. submarine. Yeah, and I went into the Philip the Philip Hall- Holland um, heritage place. below. they hadn't a clue what I was talking about.
1: He was and a the- brother in the Northman, wasn't he? Yeah, they didn't even know that. And he st- and, and the- I think the Northman ultimately either sold or gave the plans for the submarine to the Americans. Did they? That's correct. The Phenian was the submarine. He, he, made it for, he made it for the Americans when they couldn't hit the first one. <laughs> he designed the first prototype of a submarine yeah. in the AG and it, in the Monde, didn't he? Yeah, that's correct. But they didn't know it was below in the scanner.
14: <laughs> I was amazed. Uh, I, I said to them, are you joking me? I said, you want to go up the car sometime? I said, "And pay a visit up to the Dartman Street you'll get all the
1: information you want done. <laughs> Well, i well boy as always you're fountain the knowledge
14: that's, that's my little story you now about the one I thought to one in the western road was the best of
1: all us that's true, that's true that's true that's true that's true yes. What was he catching was it salmon i suppose was troush, it trout trout yeah,
14: yeah, yeah. Ah. No, I suppose well, there was an adult mullet thrown in there, it's
1: like. <laughs> For <laughs> sure, another day. Many of those mullet yeah. made it into chippers, I think, and we didn't know well, the it. difference.
14: <laughs> yeah. to go well, back to your man. You know, who was very interesting. I was listening to it to him. Dennis, well, I have to tell you those...
1: Right, bye. Fair play to you as always, Liam, at the end of the phone. Appreciate it. Take care. Text 0868104106. From one form of food to another, we were sent a, a photograph, uh, a screen grab, an actual photograph of a, a till receipt uh, yesterday. Um, it had um, an interesting array on the menu with regards to what was purchased. Two full Irish breakfasts at 12 euro each, eggs your way at 650, Americano 3 euro, flat white 3 euro 20. And then the interesting stuff, side of tomato relish, 150, and brown sauce, 150. And that's what struck us as being very, very odd that a restaurant or a cafe would charge for brown sauce, because the brown sauce was obviously asked for when the two full Irish breakfasts were ordered. So people weren't particularly happy. And when they went in and had what was a damn good breakfast, incidentally, and charged 150 for the brown sauce with their meal and they sent me the bill. So the itemized bill showed a charge of 150 for the brown sauce and the tomato relish. One would have thought that salt and pepper and vinegar and ketchup and brown sauce and all of these things would be complimentary because I've never been charged for brown sauce or for ketchup uh, I haven't been so charged for salt or or black pepper or even a grinder of black pepper. So we got in touch with uh, Gallagher's Pub, who said that the charge was a genuine error. They said the charge was made by a trainee. That they do charge for sauces that are made in house, but that the charge for the brown sauce was an error. The pub said that they got in contact with the customer and offered uh, them offered them a pint or a lunch by way of an apology. Um, because they say that it was a trainee who made the charge and it was a charge in error. They don't charge for brown sauce, so at least that comes as a relief. Uh, Mind you, it does say on the till receipt, brown sauce 150, Uh, because I I googled a bottle of brown sauce this morning and the regular ones that we'd buy ourselves in a Duns or a Tesco or a Super Value is anything between 150 and 179 for the bottle. Um, I I wouldn't even think that, You know, charging even 20 cent or 30 cent for a little ramekin of brown sauce would be acceptable. These are the things that should be incorporated into the price of the breakfast. Anyway, a lot of people uh, got involved in that, just talking about other things. Now, they were very annoyed that there would be a charge for 150, but many were commenting before uh, they knew that we'd got in touch with Gallagher's and Gallagher's say that it was an error. Uh, Pubs, cafes, restaurants, bistros should all be named Uh, We are struggling. So like the hotels, why should we have to be ripped off so that they can profit from us? They forget that we dug them out with staycations when they were crying that they had no money. And now look at the way they return our hospitality. Uh, That's very interesting, certainly from the point of view of the way hotels are behaving. You are so right there. They got all sorts of grants. They got all sorts of uh, assistance with regards to, um, you know, paying their bills and also paying their staff and the PUP payments. They got VAT reduced. And it's still at the low rate for them. And then they rip us off with room rates. It's no wonder people are going to Spain, Neil. You can get a full breakfast for €4 Euro and free red and brown sauce. This country is nothing but a total rip-off, says Maureen. Nicole says if it were 10 cent or 20 cent, you'd get over it. But a full bottle costs less than one fifty. Well, I uh, went to a cafe in Cashel a few uh says yesterday, uh, might have been a few days ago, I got two full Irish breakfasts at a cost of €12 Euro each with no tea and no toast coming. So my wife went up to see what was the delay. We were informed that we didn't order any tea or toast. And we said we presumed it came with the breakfast only to be told that it was an extra €2.50 each. I duly got up, left the breakfast on the table, walked out. My wife wasn't happy with me, but I wasn't getting screwed, says Michael. You are right. The full Irish comes with tea, or it comes with a coffee, and it certainly comes with toast. And if you're very lucky, you might also get some brown bread with the toast, but it shouldn't be extra. I went for a pizza a couple of weeks ago. I ordered and paid for it and collected it when it was ready. When I collected it, the man serving said, sorry, I didn't ask you before, but would you like garlic dips with it? I said, okay. Thanks. And he said, Did I want one or two? I said, Two. He handed them to me and said, That'll be three euro, please. I was mortified. Three euro for two tiny little cartons that they filled themselves. What we're seeing in Ireland now is pure greed. Other pizzerias give free sauces with their pizzas. Emma says, I know some places that charge ten cent for sachets of ketchup. But 150 is just crazy, says she. Yeah, but a lot of places you go into and on the table, you will have these little bowls and in there will be ketchup, brown sauce, you know the sachets, ketchup, brown sauce, mayonnaise, um, mustard, uh, vinegar, and of course your salt and pepper. Uh, Pre-pandemic, Neil, I was charged two euro for a dash of lime in my water, says Joe. Um, they're saying you're taking up a seat and you're sitting there drinking water with a dash of lime and you're not actually a technically a paying customer. That's where they charge you. Now, as to whether €2 euro for the dash of lime in the water is over the top or not, I allow that people to make up their own mind, I think they need to charge you something for it, though, don't they? That happened to me as well. I got charged €3.50 for a small bit of ketchup with my meal, says Robin. Well, if that wasn't a mistake, then never go back there again. And one final one. It's the very same here in our local Chinese. If you don't want curry over your meal, they'll charge you for the container to put it in. One euro fifty. Also, if you like garlic in your meal, it's one fifty extra. And also chili is another one fifty. Can't believe it. And I've been a very good customer for years. Has that just started, Jennifer? Has it always been that way? Or is that another thing that just um, started to creep into prices. I mean, what I'm asking you, is it a recent thing? It used to be that way all the time. Anyway, text 0868104106. If you have other menu stories or experiences, do share. Text 0868104106. Sorry, my apologies to Finbar. He's waiting an age. Finbar, good morning. Good
10: morning. In what do you
1: call the GA? The Grab All Association, is it? Yeah, yeah. they've always been known as that, but
10: never as much as this year what they're doing to the cock people is unreal I mean the thousands of them went away last Saturday to a match that would cost them money that's the serious money it's costing we know all the things out there know they want to go to Dublin next weekend
1: you're talking I, about I, Thurlis last weekend yeah, I, yeah. Yeah.
10: I know they're going to Corp Park next weekend I mean they're talking of hundreds of euros every time but yeah, I mean I mean, this is, a, this is supposed to be an amateur game Make, they're, they're, they're creaming in. This is ridiculous. Why don't they take Dublin out of bloody Dublin? I can't understand. The great Pat, Pat Spillane has been saying it on television for years. Take Dublin out of Dublin.
1: This is but the Cork-Dublin match, isn't it? Yeah,
10: to the qualifying in the All-Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and like Dublin, people do nothing. They buy the ticket and they're, they're going to the match and that's it. Well, Cork people have to organise their trains or their cars or whatever to
1: get there. But d- forgive me for not knowing that. I know it's football and I know it's Dublin. It's not a Dublin home game, is it, no? It doesn't work that way?
10: See, Dublin generally get most of their games at home anyway. Then, if they win this, they're going oh, to... Oh, down semi-final.
1: with all that stuff. Down with all that.
10: Dublin will be in, in core Park again for the semi-final. And Dublin, in the final. if they get there, they'll be in Dublin again for the final. Do you understand? It's Dublin, 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 because they're guaranteed the 70 or 80 thousand all the time. And the GE are happy with that. They don't care. How the cock people or the carry people, for that matter, anybody, how they going to spend it, where they're going to get the money
1: for them. And what was them. the reason behind the Turles trip?
10: Uh, that was the, 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 the take it out. Of, it looked very good because we, Dublin wasn't involved in, in, the, in the two matches last weekend in us
1: But the minute there's a Dublin involved as Croke Park, but can't you it's see croaked. why, though, if the capacity is the capacity at least, least 30,000 more, isn't it?
10: They'll they'll get 75000 seventy five to eighty thousand to win Dublin at home. And and shown showing now again in, in Camogie over the last few years they get thirty five to forty thousand if Dublin at home. So
1: you don't agree with big matches should be played in the biggest stadium then, no?
10: Next weekend's match should be done in Parkik Keith. That is a white elephant. It it was a magnificent stadium, but how often is it used? Mm. very, very rarely. I, I absolutely they, they deserve to be called the Grabball Association. And there's a the Cockman, and, 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 and the boss of it now, like, well, a farmer Cockman, he's in, in America now. But he, uh, he should have more sense. Yes, look. So, what's the cost involved?
1: Clearly, now there would be either petrol or diesel or a train ticket, and train tickets aren't cheap.
10: Uh, you bet they're not. I mean, look at the price of petrol today. I mean, Dublin people don't even have to use their cars to go to that match. They can cross the road and they're into
1: the pitch. Or they got a Lewis or they got a Dart or whatever or the case may
10: be. But they wouldn't have to travel. They wouldn't need their car at all. Just as you said, the Dart and the Lewis. But cock people have to travel. If people could be leaving at seven or eight o'clock in the morning to get that match. I
1: know, I know, I know. And then on top of that, you got that you, you have to get something to eat. You might have exactly. a couple of drinks or whatever the, the case.
10: The Tickets, the whole uh, And then like some people, if they can afford it, some people make a weekend of it. They stay overnight. You're talking of serious money there.
1: You know. Yeah, I understood. doubt if a lot will do that now with the cost of hotel rooms at no, the moment. no no I,
10: I admit no yeah I admit yeah but um, one time it used to be a huge thing they make a weekend of it, Cork in a big match but I, I nearly have to go but uh, no but just I, just
1: before you go and one last question because I know you're under pressure do Dublin ever play in Pocky Creeve
10: well, they do but it's a very rare okay very rarely it would be in a, in a league match I think the last championship match I remember was well, back in the nineteen. It would have been the nineteen eighties so, when Dublin after the draw in Dublin. So they
1: never play a big match like a quarter no, or a if semi. It,
10: if, it's, if it's, they'll play the first round maybe in Longford, yeah. Knowing they're going to win the, the match anyway. Longford a week lock, but they know.
1: don't travel to Cork all that often.
10: I, I, I. My, my, unless somebody can come up, remind me. But that was the last time that I saw Cork and Dublin match down the park, and uh, actually that happened. Dublin
1: won the same day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Anybody on an opinion on that? Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. With regards to Diarmuid O'Quella trying to board a UK Navy ship, as I was telling you on Friday, uh, Diarmuid is a serial headline seeker. His main goal is to get to the doll. Well. I mean, if that's what he wants to do, he's entitled as anybody else to do it. He's also incidentally entitled to criticise things that he doesn't see right. That ship is on international waters. It had a right to be there. German ships docked there all the time. Um, We're talking about naval ships now. We're talking about naval ships. The UK Navy protects Irish waters from threats. The Irish naval vessels can't protect us from anything. The UK Air Force also protects our skies, says Pat. I think that's rather insulting to the Irish Navy, actually, to say they can't protect us. Anything. I actually thought the same thing myself. Wednesday, there was a guard van parked alongside the UK ship, but I felt it was strange that there was a seaman standing at the top of the gangway with a gun. I don't think I saw this before. Didn't look right. Neil, only UK submarines carry nukes, or are nuclear powered. The Enterprise is nothing more than a survey ship that checks and lays the underwater telecom cables says Pat. And a few then from Friday's programme with regards to ambulances. I was telling you about the serious, serious lack of not just ambulances, but trained paramedics to drive them and indeed to go out and get engaged in the life-saving work that they do last week. My dad was shifted by ambulance early Wednesday morning. There was no delay in getting an ambulance. They happened to be travelling back to the base after delivering a baby and bringing it to the CUMH and they attended my dad very quickly. In fact, two ambulances arrived Because they were changing shifts. So fair play and credit where credit is due. They're super at their job. Yeah, but did you ever ask yourself the question as to why two ambulances arrived? Because it meant that another one could have gone somewhere else. It's caused all these issues with ambulances by staff shortages, full stop. And those phoning for ambulances for stupid reasons. That's the view of my son, a paramedic who works in the ambulance service in England. Any time I phone him, he has a story of an unnecessary call-out. The same applies to the fire service, where he works part-time as a fireman, says Malcolm, listening in Ross, Moore. He says, son, a paramedic, works in the ambulance service in England, and he says, many people call out ambulances, for stupid, stupid reasons. Talk to Neil Brenderville
2: now. 0818 106. Cork's
1: Red FM. Okay, so we did put those questions to uh, the uh, southern region of the ambulance. Um, a lot of the questions to do with the serious lack of ambulances and then issues with regards to crewing them because we were told that intermediate care operatives who wouldn't be trained anywhere like paramedics were being brought in and asked to cover for paramedics who couldn't go to work to make up the staff shortages, not to mention the fact that one or two ambulances were covering from way down west all the way to Dungarvan. Uh, And they said significant pressure on emergency ambulance cover at this point in time. Um, This is largely due to the accumulation of annual leave due to earlier COVID demands. On top of that, sick leave, and also vacancies that exist within the system. And to assist with these priorities... Intermediate care colleagues trained to the appropriate level, which is an interesting phrase, have been requested to work with paramedics and advanced paramedics on emergency ambulances until further notice. And they said crews from Limerick and other locations such as Kerry or Waterford can be asked to transport patients. Transport patients to Cork, or crews from Limerick, Kerry or Waterford can be asked to attend calls in Cork depending on demand and that's the statement from the press office of the HSE. Text 0868 Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Neil, good morning.
7: Hi, Neil, how are you?
1: Um, this old chestnut, and it's an important mm-hmm. one, uh, disability yeah. parking, right? Go ahead.
7: Yeah. No, I just, um, I brought my father in here. He's disabled, I have a disabled badge. Brought him into town, um, and we parked on Academy Street. And, and all of append- Academy
1: Street going up on the right, that's all disability parking, isn't okay. it?
7: I think there's maybe one or two at the start. I'm not sure if they're actually oh, okay. disabled. Okay, I always but, thought they were basically more. Basically, okay. it is. It is essentially all disabled. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we parked there, happy out, Um didn't didn't really look at the sign because I mean you look at the floor and you see it's a disabled space, and went off and did what we had to do. Came back and we had a parking sign because apparently you can't park there between three and half a six. Um no, they're saying it's because. You, it's no parking, but it's no parking because you can't drive onto Patrick Street between those hours. Uh,
1: so that's why it's okay. no parking. And so it was a weekday, was it?
7: Yeah, it was a Friday.
1: And that's when Patrick Street closes in the afternoon.
7: Well, apparently the no parking sign so mean, is Monday to Sunday, but you can't park there between okay. Okay. three and half past six.
1: Okay. Yeah.
7: But I mean, And it's you know, can I just TV ask you, when, you know when you yeah? have
1: a disability badge and you put it up on the dash? Yeah. Is that for a limited period? No, no. So you can no. park there for as long as you wish with a disability yeah. badge? All day if yeah. you want?
7: No, I could be I could be wrong, but as far as I'm, I'm aware, there's no limit on it. So
1: there's no. what you're saying to me is that there's no limit on a disability park?
7: As far as I'm aware, no.
1: Okay, so how but can like you get a fine you
7: park, then? Because if I was to get into the car at 5 o'clock, where am I going to go? Only on to Patrick Street. And you can't drive out to pasture. Yeah, but you could have parked there at 2
1: o'clock and decided you were going to be gone till 7.
7: And that's exactly what happened. We parked there at 2 o'clock. I took a half day, brought my dad into town because he had recently had a fall. So I said I'd bring him in. He can do his bits and pieces. And you know the irony of it all, Neil, is Uh. I got the fine at 24 minutes past 4. And my dad paid for his prescription in Boots on Half Moon Street at 24 minutes past 4. So the exact time we got the plane, he was in pain for his prescription.
1: Yeah, coincidentally, uh, yeah. Do
7: you know what I mean? Like I couldn't, I, you you couldn't have made that up. But I mm. just think it's very unfair. Did you that, appeal like, it? I did. I appealed it, and I got back a message saying that no, it's rejected because I was parking in an no all-parking zone. But if you actually look at the the parking sign, it says no parking. Uh, then it's a loading bay, whatever. And then underneath that, you have a separate sign saying "parking with a disabled." You know the other. You know, but hold on a second. W- were thing. you
1: parked in the wrong place? You're saying.
7: Well, no, I was parked in the disabled space at two o'clock.
1: Yeah.
7: But because you can't park there between three and half a six.
1: And when they when they rejected your appeal, what reason did they give?
7: Just because I was parking in an area that had. Um, that was a no parking um no parking zone at the time of the offense
1: did it say on the sign no parking here between uh, half 3 and half 6
7: that's what it says yeah but then underneath it you see your your disabled sign is separate to this so it's got no parking sign, and underneath that it's got a loading bay Monday to Friday half seven to three. So that's got that's one giant. It's confusing,
1: sign. yeah, to say the least. But yeah. then
7: your parking for disabled is underneath it separately, so it looks like you know this is disabled parking. But like my point is, what if I was staying in the Maldrin there, and uh, or somewhere in, you know there's a couple of Maldrins in town, or you know wherever, and I parked it the night before. And we didn't come back to the car till half past four. Just say half past four. Mm. So sure how? You know what I mean? That's very unfair. Mm. Mm. Or but the, my point is, we were parked there. We weren't driving onto Patrick Street.
1: Yeah, it raises. I understand. And it, how much is the fine? Forty euros. I know it's a pain, isn't it? But, but
7: the thing is, like. But... Are they there every day, so doing this? Is every disabled driver penalised if they park there doing this every day because they don't, you know what I mean? Even if they're parking there just and not going on to battery. I think.
1: know, but I know that there will be people listening to this now saying, is it even fair that somebody, unfortunately with a disability and therefore having a disability pass, pass would park in the same space for hours on end? Is it fair <laughs> on it. everybody else? Um,
7: but that's that's just parking in generally you are never going to win with that debate yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
7: yeah. you know what I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's unfortunately that's that's never going to change Had it been a while it, like, since everything. he was in town Yeah like I said he had a fall so I said I'd bring him in that way then he didn't have to be worrying about buses or anything like that and he'd have you know and like I said we were parked on the Cadbury Street and he had to do his bits and pieces down by Half Moon Street booths and whatever and so he said we'd have something to eat then and things like that so that, yeah, you know, did, you, where, did you eat? where did you eat? Pardon? Where did you eat? We had in Scoozies.
1: Oh fabulous food, isn't it? Great spot, yeah, great bus. Yeah. And did he enjoy the trip in? I mean, what did he make and of the he city? Of
7: course, he did. But sure, that ruined it then and and you know the thing is like you'd all, you always see the cars driving onto Patrick Street. Why aren't they at the top of Academy Street stopping people driving onto Patrick Street? Why aren't they at the top of Merchants Key telling people stop driving onto Patrick Street?
1: Yeah, I know. And one best reason they're to want to come back in again,
7: yeah, Disabled people for parking and use in town, do you know what I mean? We spent money in town. Is not the whole point. I that think.
1: is the whole point. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- and wouldn't be encouraged to do it again, you're saying?
7: That's it. And you know what? I, mean, I cc'd a lot of the, my local councillors on this. And I think I cc'd was at over seven councillors. And you know, the only person who replied back was Ken O'Flynn.
1: Yeah, what did he say?
7: That he'd he'd put it to the attention of somebody. Mm. He's very good, he always responds to you and he'll try to do whatever he can.
1: Well, let's see if he can get your money back. Come back to me if he does, Neil, all right?
7: no problem at least no disabled drivers no can be aware of that
1: absolutely so. take care cheers you know. um, Thanks very oh, much, I James. didn't I didn't know it's unlimited parking in a disability spot uh, your thoughts on that are welcome text 0868104106 myself and Kevin actually did we, did, we didn't talk about this on the air did we I've only got about 90 seconds we didn't talk about the fact that when we went into Kelly's on Oliver Plunkett Street uh, for the corned beef and cabbage oh that you had cabbage. never had did corned beef uh, and cabbage uh, in your entire life now I um, I came
4: home and I made this point and uh, the, the ex-counor yeah. It turns out I must have had it at some point when I was young. Why, did your mum say you did? My mum was like, "You, oh, you've definitely had it. I definitely used to make it, but she used to tell yeah. you, used to tell us, you hated it." Ah, so yeah, kids would. I kids could,
1: would. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have been a huge fan of it as a child in short pants. College, <laughs> college is just a no-no when you're under the age of six, isn't it? What it's did just, you make of the Kelly's corned I, beef and
4: cabbage? I really, really enjoyed it. I have to say, I really enjoyed it. Is a silver side? Is silver that what they call side, it?
1: That's the best of it. Silver and he cooked it very slowly for a long, long time. Ah, Chef
4: Neil is a, is a lovely fella Chef as well. Neil. Yeah, and he got fairness. it in the English market. He did. And and it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, like, I, I, I'm i like you, I love Cork. I I'm Real kind of, you know, you can hear it in the accent, but, so, well, somebody's, I've had tripe and drachene, I've oh had man, a lot of it, but Have you really? I have, yeah. My grandmother used to love tripe and drachene. Would you have it now? No. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be I've tried so of mine. many times. But I've tried
1: it. T- I've given it a go I just can't do it so yeah. bacon and cabbage
4: not a bother not a bother anything else not a bother I'm like a hoover when it comes to food pigs but, trotters uh, I haven't tried it but I heard a great story recently from a guy I was up at a match at, on Saturday and he was telling me about a game that was down the lodge and uh, Cork kids were playing and apparently a fella brought, had a bag of crew beans and uh, when I think it was Wig- Dave Wiggy Wiggington scored the winner the crew beans went. To, uh, your man at the crew bean waving it around in the air apparently there's a picture and you can see the crowd and just a single crew bean in the crowd oh, well, Ooh. Yeah. No, try that. Have that. Yeah, I've had that. Play. Yeah. I've had a lot. You're so. just dustbin then? Yeah. <laughs> anything. Anything and everything. All Feel right. free to send any cork produce to, uh, you know, oh, Neil at, at, at Red FM in Korea. Cheers, and, yeah, man. Take away. care. So the
1: best of corned beef and cabbage in Kelly's on Plunkett Street. Long may they reign.
12: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national, and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by
1: clicking on redfm.ie. One
2: hundred four to one hundred six, Red FM. This is the Neil
1: Frienderville show. Uh, coming from a family who's been renting fourteen years with five different house moves due to landlords selling their houses. All with good jobs, and still we can't buy a house. Every time we go to buy a house, it is given to the highest bidder, which is a minimum of forty to fifty thousand euro. Your fifty thousand euro than the initial asking price, and they are houses that need a lot of work done to them in the interior. Which is another 50K minimum, absolutely minimum. It's an absolute joke at this stage. People's mental health is suffering big time. And I'm at work, working to pay my rent, so I can't come on air if asked. Well, thank you all the same for your text. I do appreciate them. Text 0868104106. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818104106. That's exactly what Peter Murphy did. Okay, well, we're, we're really investigating Cork uh, horse troughs, Peter, aren't we?
15: We are, yeah. You we were talking about the trough above in Farron yeah there.
1: I'm confused is there one in Farn Ferris and is there one in the Mon
15: there was one in the Mon there was one in the Mon as well oh,
1: that's there was one. one up
15: in the, the, the where the, the new school was built there now there was a big field there they used to have the cattle in there as well and there was a trough in there for the cattle
1: so are they cattle troughs then as opposed there
15: was to there was one in Farron Ferris as so you go in the gate on, it was on your right hand side yeah it was um Danny name was the farmer there. You said they were milking cows, say they were the, for the for the borders. They were to all their own milk.
1: For the borders in Farna.
15: In Farna, yeah. They had and their they own had cow the right? Cabin, yeah. down the side and you cross the road there. You're familiar with the place there because all your all Yeah.
1: yeah.
15: And he lived along.
1: Yeah.
15: I know. And I know. I know I know your, your grandfather. <laughs> Paddy English? Yeah. And Paddy, your,
1: your, your uncle. That's my, he was Paddy as well. Well done. As yeah, well, yeah. He was
15: about. To, he, I know Paddy as well.
1: Yeah, in Madden's buildings. Yeah, well, did you? You didn't work with them, though. In the post office or on the buses or anything like that. On no? the buses,
15: I right. yeah. I know Paddy. So I know your mother, there, <laughs> and your grandfather.
1: <laughs> so Danny Deneen was the farmer up there.
15: Danny Danine ran the farm up
1: there, and,
15: that's, and he had one daughter. she's she's done. He's caught somewhere, I think. Right, yeah. he one daughter there.
1: Yeah. So would you
15: be, you'd be in
1: your 80s now,
15: would you, Peter? i have been coming up to here. Yeah. here. Fair
1: place. You've seen it all.
15: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the, he was bringing on the cattle there and he was crossed there, crossed the lodge into the back of the, the house. So the red brick house, as you, as you... As you go in the drive? As you go in the drive, yeah. That's yeah. where Danny lived. <laughs>
1: So everything around it would have changed over the years, but the cattle oh, yeah. trough remained. That's why it's a mystery now, people can't That's work out. Still there. That was for the cattle. And what about the Mon horse trough? Cattle? The Mon-
15: that was for the cattle as well. They had cattle up there as well. For milking, uh, is it? For the brothers, is it? For the brothers, yeah. They, they, they're all farm up there as well. That's right. Up the back they did, and they? And then they, they, they? up there on the back as well.
1: They threw all their own veg. So it's amazing what a bit of investigation can reveal.
15: Oh, yeah. And they were they were doing their own veg in the family as Well, on the left hand side as you go.
1: And were you, where <laughs> were you born and raised then yourself? Down
15: in Water Lane, Grimley Street.
1: And are, you st- and are you still there? Still, I'm still here. <laughs> and the big changes. It's a it's a much oh, you it's a much quieter spot now, isn't it? Than it used to be uh, years ago. I wouldn't say quiet, <laughs> but it's changed. <laughs> it's changed our right. Yeah. Not for the better. It's almost kind of forgotten I about know. by our politicians and our <laughs> councillors, isn't it?
15: Because I've gone here with all the songs and.
1: Yeah, I know.
15: delivery
1: I know. And yeah. what did you What did you work at all your life then? I know I I'm asking in, you a million questions.
15: I worked as a wood machinist. Where? I worked in Noisy Lee. He's in North Street.
1: What did they make? Furniture. So you're a cabinet maker? Uh,
15: machinist. I cut the timber for the, for the cabinet makers. Where were they where, where were they based? In North Street. They're gone out them streets i gone out that's the 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 shopping center, Max Spencer's and all that. And
1: oh, did you go I in be there be as an apprentice then as a young fellow is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. In the the fifties. And did you stick with that your entire life? Well
15: there it was in P. Hercules then as well, like
1: go away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Great story. Okay, so there were cattle troughs then, for the cattle? That was for
15: the cattle, the, yeah. one the, and the one in the Mon. But there was cattle trough in in, in, the, in Sheehan's field as well, <laughs> for the cattle, because they used, to, they used to hold the cattle there for the boats, to see. Ah. The Horvans, the Horvans and the Sheehan's.
1: Yeah, yeah.
15: They used to hold the cattle there and there they a trough there as well. This houses is built there now.
1: Yeah. But the troughs remain in situ. Because it's part of our right. history, isn't it? We need to protect oh, them. Oh, yeah. when well,
15: the one in the, in Father Francis is still there. I used to go to the regular base yeah, every day. Yeah, I know.
1: The dogs and that, you know? So, you, from, from Blackpool, you'd remember Manly the Saddle Maker, you'd remember Neville's oh, really shop across the, across the road and stuff. Across the road, me. Oh, Mr. and, and missus shop. we yeah. <laughs> shop as well. Oh, God. And, no. and you are Max. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely chatting That's with trouble. you, Peter. Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. Take care. All, right. All the best. Okay.
2: Bye-bye. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818 104106. Red FM. I
1: can't come on air, but I said that uh, I would contact you because you've been talking about misdiagnoses of children in Cork. Uh, sad to see that 10 years later, nothing has changed with misdiagnosing children in Cork. 10 years ago this month, my then 18-year-old child developed, and I'm going I'm to have a stab at pronouncing this, Nigh stagmus in her eye, obviously some condition. Our GP referred us to the CUH, where for months on end I was told, it's a nerve, it'll calm down. I kept pushing and eventually they told me, "Okay, to shut you up, we'll refer her for an MRI. But as it's not urgent, it will be months. Something told me, says Louise, something told me that it wasn't right. So we paid for the MRI ourselves. And that evening, they found a brain tumor behind our child's eye. We were taken to Temple Street, and the equivalent eye consultant told us that any doctor could see by looking into my child's eye that the nerves were small and pale. They were shocked that it was missed for months on end. Our daughter is visually impaired, had to do 12 months of chemotherapy, has had multiple brain surgeries, but is doing so well now with continuing checkups. In Crumlin Hospital. I will never, ever again attend the eye clinic in the CUH. That was 10 years ago. I cannot imagine the misdiagnoses these days with the great excuse of COVID. Please, people, always trust your gut. Medics are not always correct, says Louise by email. And one quick one here. I lived in the UK for many years. With regards to the health system, etc., I would say the following. The waiting lists over in the UK aren't as bad as here. Finding and seeing a GP isn't as bad as here. We lived in Cantark for almost three years now. I'm still cannot, I still cannot get on the list of a GP locally. When I see a GP, I have to go to the city. My mother's GP took us on in Cork City. In the UK, yes, you pay for prescriptions, but it's only €9 euro per script. You can buy a prepayment cert, which costs £30 for three months, and you can have as much meds as you need. A yearly cost is €10 euro a month. Uh, we didn't pay for a GP for hospital visits, hospital stays. We had subsidized dental and optician services in the UK. Yes, we paid national insurance as a separate form of tax. However, it's taken at source. And I can tell you, it's not that bad. Comparatively, here is much more expensive. And general taxation is way too high as well, says Monica. So there it is, chapter and verse, the differences, time after time after time again. Um, I just don't, I hate seeing lines like, you can get as much as you want, you know, prescription after prescription after prescription. I I often think that we over-prescribe here anyway, don't we? All too often, without looking at other aspects of people's lives. don't want to sound preachy or anything, but diet is so important and what we eat a lot of inflammation and sickness, of course, comes uh, from diet. That's just my own thought. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And we're back to the phone lines. Busy morning to start the week. Tom, good morning. morning, How are you? Who's not living in the real world? I'd say it's probably us, because we put up with the same carry-on time after time after time.
14: Listen, listen, I've been turned out a house trooper coffee. Our other people are quite easily, virtually like, kind of... Um, there's no pint and cup from that ground. Again, they're just equally as stupid. Now, as yet, they'll ever be. Um, but we don't
1: really have much choice, do we? Considering the people who put don't themselves... We do swap- Yeah.
14: Well, we do, like. I mean, we have the same choice. We have the same choice as was given to the people who fought the water charges. There can't be reversed. They'll have to go through. They didn't go they didn't go through. They were rebirthed. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
14: You know? And, and, and like... It's,
1: it's but just, then you'd need 50,000 people to be marching down Patrick Street you know
14: well you would never get you would never get that number like I remember being above in Dublin at Mar- I remember being above in Dublin now but Mar- well, there was certainly 100,000 or more on the streets now of course RT would have you believe that there was uh, 15 or 20,000 people coming out like with
1: you think they intentionally underplay numbers? All right,
14: yeah. yeah. Oh no, well they, they, they do that. Like I mean, they're all they are. Like as the government press office like, look, and they, they trot out the
1: figures that they're told to trot out. Anyway, uh, you have me, Hall, and Leo not living in the real world.
14: No, no. Well, well, Leo, like as well as as well as being, I don't, like he he couldn't kill us. Like he couldn't kill us. I said to you before that if these people could, get prosecuted for being poor. Like, it's a sin as far as they are concerned. But he's vicious, anyway. he's vicious anyway, and he's manipulating. I mean, the episode of him and Pierce Doherty, quite recently in the door, was scandalous. Mm. Because what Pierce Doherty done when he was 18 or 19 years of age was called into question. But he, he attacked him over that. No. There's a slight
1: difference between... Uh, Pierce Doherty started it, didn't he?
14: Pierce Doherty...
1: Brought up the DPP. He, have done,
14: yeah. he brought up that the man that was leading this country leaked documents, and he's under investigation for that fact. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Now, the, the leader of this country, the leader of this country was not an 18 or a 19-year-old youngster. Right? He's a mature man that's put in Control of I
1: understand that. Government. No, that is irrelevant. That is yeah. a very valid point. Yeah, 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 It is a very valid point. Now,
14: also, he just said quite reasonably there, which I think is ludicrous, that the present health crisis is not this government's fault. Sorry. The, the present housing crisis is not this government's fault.
1: Whose fault is it, did he say?
14: He didn't say like... It's not just government's fault. Now, a few weeks back, or a few months back, you had Mumbly Mick saying that the, pro- the, the problems were in the health system. It is not their fault. They inherited it. Now, you know what he said, that They inherited the problems. And I just wonder who they inherited them
1: from. So we have a bunch Polish. of politicians who do nothing more than pass the buck, then.
14: Yeah. Well look no, but I mean the only the only people <coughs> the only people that I could have been having the the conditions of the health system would be from the British, like. Mm. Mm. Because I mean they're there for the last hundred years. Yeah, but they an awful lot less people living
1: bar. in the country, you know? Mm? An awful lot less people living in the country. Way back in the day. See we have more now than ever before. And our sure diets about, yeah. our diets yeah, have changed course. and our diets and you know uh, we've got issues with uh, alcohol, and we've got issues with drugs, and we've all sorts of issues affecting people that really, by and large, weren't. You know, food was simpler back in the day. You know, we didn't eat so much junk. A lot of that impinges on the health system. It's different now, you see.
14: I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see how it is different because, I, which, like, I, 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 I don't. I see a problem with drugs and alcohol in the city, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's a problem that goes straight across the clouds. I don't know. Does it? You
1: know, I think it, I think the sum of all of the parts increase the pressure on the health system, for sure, yeah. But, you know.
14: Well, of course, of course when, when the population increases, uh, when the population increases, that's, uh, the health system is bound to come under a bit more pressure. Yeah, and you, have, you also have multinationals who are coming
1: in, and that's a great thing, and they're giving people more work, and more people come here to live and to work, but they... That puts more pressure than on the housing system, you see. We just don't have anywhere for people to live.
14: But you see, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, We shouldn't be considering these people that are coming to this country before our own people. Anyway, your point, we should be. We should not. We should most certainly not. Irish people should not be homeless for 20 years. And you your people coming into the country and getting accommodation immediately. People and the homeless people, Irish people, Irish people. But that's people, a wild statement to make.
1: How can you say that they get housed immediately?
14: They get accommodation. They don't bring, they don't, they don't allow immigrants uh, coming to this country to sleep in the streets. There's accommodation for them when they come in
1: here. That would be if somebody comes here looking for asylum. Uh, they would go into direct provision full stop that's all they don 't go into a house um,
14: what what about the the ukrainians well that, uh, that that there
1: that's a completely different set of rules that that has to Roy? do with war that's a that's a humane, humanitarian crisis that Ireland and other countries across Europe are rowing in behind
14: our other countries across europe are in behind us? yeah oh yeah yeah. Yeah, you think so? To the same scale as we are?
1: Well, I don't. I don't have the numbers in front of me with regards to every other member of the European Union. But if you look at what Poland is doing, for instance, they put everybody to shame. Yeah, just I'm, no. It's I'm just that when you. people say people are coming over here and they bring nothing with them and they're given a house straight away, that's bull.
14: Well, it, well, it isn't. It isn't like. It, it, well, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it's also true that we have Irish people on the housing list. For twenty-five years, twenty years, twenty-five years, and it's and a scandal. It is a scandal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we didn't create that. That was created by Sinn fall and the jail. These problems are created by Sinn fall and the gale.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That since the formation of the state, these are the two parties that have been in power and in control. So yeah. it is their fault. Yeah. Gotcha. Excuse me. no need. But gotcha. Don't... Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. One of the things, just quickly, one of the things I mentioned earlier on this morning is a story that's making the papers. And bear in mind now that the newspaper never refused ink. Our summer will be unpredictable chaos as the star today, the mirror holiday hell warning. Ireland hit a strike action looms across Europe. They're warning Irish families desperate for an end of term sun holiday that you're facing a grim warning. Of summer travel chaos. True or false? Owen Corrie, the travel journalist and commentator, is always in the end of the phone, and today is no exception. Owen, good morning. You hear me all right? Yes. Sir. Owen, did you see the papers this morning's uh, holiday hell warning? I'm just curious, is this true? And if so, what should people be worried about?
9: Yeah, uh, chaos is overstating it. I saw the papers, I may have been quoted in some of them. But what it's really, we're looking at a summer where the aviation and the airlines, the airports, the services for the airports, all dealing with recruiting, getting people back on uh, feet on the ground after COVID. And also that the recovery or the return to the air is a couple of percentage points. more quick than... uh, They expected. So all of that puts staff pressures, those sort of things. So you've got passports, uh, you've got security queues, and then you have the airlines facing uh, the same issues of getting their fleet recertified and getting the staff levels up to putting them in the air. The chairman of EasyJet has been on television in the last hour uh, talking about cancelling a good number of flights this summer. Why? British Airways have already done the same staffing issues. Uh, the two Irish airlines better prepared, Aer Lingus, Ryanair, both of them were pretty much ready for fueling back up. The airport, obviously in Dublin, less so. They ran into security queue problems. But the, the uh, problems run through everything in the airport, the services, the cleaning, the feeding of passengers and the baggage hall. So the videos and
1: that we saw and the photographs and the stories of Dublin ever is it still as bad or has it, has it improved somewhat?
9: it's improved, of course, because the worst case scenario was the the sunday of, uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. when people missed their flights, yeah. having followed the advice. The reality is nobody's missed the flights, but we had a it we went to. 50 minutes this morning in Terminal 1. Uh, yesterday, Terminal 2 was uh, the problem. Uh, it's unpredictable. Now, the numbers game is on Dublin Airport side. They're putting 30 extra staff into that security team every week, training them up. They're all being delivered. So as the summer progresses, security queues less likely to be a problem. Okay. But you've had people on your program talking about TUI, the tour operator, cancelling flights. Cancelled flights is an issue right across Europe. Less so on there in Aer Lingus, but it's still there.
1: And the reason that they're cancelled, you've mentioned TUI and of course you just mentioned EasyJet, is they haven't got the staff to man the planes and all of the ancillary services.
9: Absolutely, okay. I and mean, then the airports run into capacity. Heathrow this morning asked uh, all the airlines using Heathrow to reduce their schedules by 10% because they actually can't handle it on the ground. And there was uh, marvellous photographs, or not so marvellous photographs in social media, of the huge baggage mound in Terminal 2 on Friday.
1: They called it a carpet of baggage, didn't they?
9: Pretty much. Well, the, one of the things is that baggage is completely automated now. That's almost completely barcode red and all. So tech is great when it works, and when it doesn't work, you need personnel to start uh, sorting it out, and there aren't the personnel to sort out the tech since COVID, when the tech shortfalls. Baggage uh, going astray is a continuing problem this summer we've had a few flights arrive in dublin airport with less than 10% of the bags on board and uh, you know what Lingus would be dealing and before covid baggage was oversorted they'd, they'd be dealing with about 50 lost bags a day it's gone over to over 300 now and most of that is not in dublin it's actually in places like what UK happens Europe, what happens when you lose problem.
1: your what happens when your baggage doesn't arrive <laughs> at the carousel and you go off on your holidays without your luggage what happens then
9: uh, you're entitled to compensation, but it's not very high. You're entitled to clothes uh things like that that you need to buy and uh, the limit under the Montreal Convention is around twelve hundred euro in a bag, which you know sounds a lot, but if you have something fairly big in there a pair of shoes for a woman or something that's uh, dressy, it can go it can reach that very quickly. But um, you are entitled to compensation to get you through that period when you haven't got clothes and you are a place where you need to be.
1: Okay. And the, the one we hear now of um, staff and unions and air airports across Europe calling for strikes, is that, is that accurate?
9: Of course, but you've got to remember that in particular Ryanair, and Ryanair and DCJet have been targeted by the unions in about six countries. Uh, with the Ryanair policy has been to sign the deal. the recognized unions 2017 very famously. They identified the biggest pilots union, the biggest cabin crew union in each country because they fly to 36 countries, and they signed deals with all of them. And uh, What we have across uh, five or six countries is the smaller unions, the ones that weren't in that negotiation process are pulled out of it, now threatening a strike. and uh, it's not going to have the impact they would like because the, none of them are the largest union. In one case, it's only two percent of the ca- Ryanair cabin crew in Portugal, the union calling the strike. They, but they' you know, by creating the headlines, they want to uh, affect the forward bookings. They want to do damage to forward bookings, share price, make, make the impact like that. But from a passenger point of view, It's not the biggest union because they're the ones that Reiner have signed the deal with. And in some case, that provoked the second or the third union to accuse the main union of being
1: betraying their members. will, will Will it impact and deliver unpredictable chaos for people going on their sun holidays in July or August? Uh, Chaos
9: is a major overstatement. Uh, The biggest we've seen is 20 out of 2,400 flights across the network being impacted by one of the strikes, and we've had about eight of them so far. Nothing more than a weather event would normally do, and Ryanair are in a great position to move planes and crew around, particularly when most of their cabin crew or unions have signed up to their deals. Uh, to soak up any of the passengers whose flights are cancelled. Not saying it won't happen, it's just that the impact will be minimal. No, it's just
1: you see headlines, Summer of Travel Chaos, Holiday Hell Warning. You know, and you wonder, oh my God, we're out of the fire and fatten into the fire, you know?
9: <laughs> well, you know, there, you know, even the passport issue, I mean, uh, that, that the big breakdown there was from the Garda certification for newborn babies. That's been uh, engaged, a big engagement on that, but at one stage that was causing 40% of new applicants to be delayed or returned. So, you know, chaos, well, I say it's an overstatement. If you're the person whose uh, passport hasn't arrived in time and then who's... That's canceled, and yeah. Then you're caught the yeah. two-hour, uh, uh, the two-hour security queue—it is chaos.
1: Is Dublin Airport still saying don't be arriving early? Are people still going too early?
9: Very much, they're saying don't be arriving early. I think they scared people into not coming early by talking the triage system and uh, holding pen uh, for there for people who arrive too early. Triage was tested, but it has never been implemented. So, what's recommended? We haven't seen the queues outside the terminal. Two and a half hours short haul, three and a half hours long haul. <clears throat> but they added the provider that if you're checking in the bag, add another hour because a lot of the problems are in the check-in. It's so it's three
1: and a half and four, four and a half, realistically, yeah, isn't it, it much If you're checking in the
9: bag. Now the thing is, Ryanair's bag, uh, which is where m- most of us fly Ryanair, our uh, Air Lingus, both of those have been working fairly efficiently. when we have run into uh, air problems with some of the other airlines. And remember, uh, someone like Air France and Lufthansa, even though they're not long haul, a lot of the people checking in for those Paris and Frankfurt flights are going on to long haul. Connecting.
1: there
9: have been uh, baggage
1: problems well said, covered a lot of ground as always thanks for taking the call Owen always a great pleasure Neil take Take care, Owen Corrie, travel journalist and commentator that's (laughs) interesting isn't it, 3.5 if you're checking in baggage for short haul and and 4.5 if you're checking in baggage for long haul, back after the break The Neil Brenderville
2: Show on Cork's Red FM our phone lines remain open after midday
1: 0818 104 106 Question asked there just a few minutes ago, yeah, but how do we compare with the rest of Europe with regards to Ukrainian refugees fleeing war? Well, uh, I have all of the stats, and bizarrely, as it may sound, the Russian Federation took 1.2 million. I suppose I could be talking for hours as to why that happened. Poland, though, 1.1 million refugees from Ukraine into Poland. Now, you might say, yeah, right across the border, but they still took that many So Poland, 1.1 million. Um, Anyway, Germany took 780,000 so far. The Czech Republic, 373,000. Italy, 130,000. Spain, 120,000. France, 88,000. Bulgaria, 80,000. Austria, 71. United Kingdom, 70,000. And on and on it goes. And down the list, well down the list, Ireland. I know you will say it's a smaller country with... uh, maybe not as developed infrastructure as many of the ones I've listed already. Ireland, 35,675. So there's a big difference between our 35,500 and, say, for instance, Belgium's 48,000, uh, or indeed uh, the United Kingdom's 70,000, and way up at the top, of course, Poland, 1.1, Germany, 800,000. Okay, so that's a little bit of statistical information to answer a question on the air a few minutes ago. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines. Mick, Good morning. How you doing? Yeah, you had a bit of an experience trying to get back from Washington, was it?
13: Washington, Thursday. On Thursday there. I flew out I at uh, five o'clock. Uh, well, I flew out at seven o'clock. I was two hours late because of the storms. And when I arrived at skiphol Airport, they told me there'd be a representative letting us know about the connecting flights.
1: From Amsterdam
13: uh, to Cork, was it? From, from Amsterdam to Cork on an Air Lingus flight. Yeah. So I, I got off the plane, and there was nobody there to be seen for so Lingus. So I went to the desk where I was meant to go for the flight, knowing no, it, it was late. There was nobody there. The flight was up there, leaving at 25 past nine. And there, Anyway, I went looking for a, a
1: an Aer Lingus. So reference. had you missed that flight because of the storm? I missed the flight because of the storm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that I, plane I only was found,
13: gone. I only, found, I only found out an hour later when I looked at the board that the flight was cancelled anyway. So nobody's told me. So I, I got an email. I get an email at two minutes past one. So <laughs> I got an email at two minutes past one telling me, unfortunately, that the, the flight cancelled and this is what you can do. You can ask for a refund. You can go and rebook a flight. You can do this. Anyway, I went looking for an Aer Lingus representative. The only people I could see was a KLM. They had an Aer Lingus plane sitting on a tarmac and... Was told to in no uncertain terms nothing to do with them. They're no lingus. So I went to the transfer uh, transfer lounge. There was about four hundred people there. Oh my God! <laughs> what were they all doing there? <laughs> they the, obviously the flight. All the all the flights. I know all the flights in in Washington were delayed because they couldn't get pilots across to to the Dulles Airport because of the storms. So, I don't, I, I don't know why the Aer Lingus flight... They say the Aer Lingus flight was really cancelled because of baggage handlers. So they couldn't get them.
1: Anyway, I went, I
13: went everywhere. My wife was on the phone in Cork
1: to Aer Lingus. They Erlingus can't get staff for anything, can't they? You security, no, 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 baggage no. handlers, cabin crews. But nobody would take responsibility. So, I,
13: my, wife, my wife's trying to phone Aer Lingus uh, office in Cork. I'm trying to phone the Aer Lingus office in Amsterdam. No answer I was gone a bit. We couldn't. We couldn't book a flight. They wouldn't. They wouldn't let us book a flight. I got to the point. I thought I've got to go out. I've got to go out of the airport. Go up and book a flight to the desk at, at the desk. And I'm thinking, if I don't get on the flight, there was a thing, I think it was a KLM flight at twenty four, and a an Lingus flight at half past nine. So anyway, I went. I went to the. I, I took a chance. I went up to the VIP lounge. And asked, Is there anybody can help me?" And fortunately for me, a young the young lady at she was very helpful. She I told her my my plight, and she sorted everything out. She phoned up, she phoned up uh, Air Lingus. She sorted a, a, a flight. She she phoned up the baggage handlers, uh, the baggage uh, department, and <laughs> sorted out my my, my baggage because I, I didn't know where anything was. Uh, she was trying to get me on the 24th flight, the KLM flight. Which I was praying and hoping I was getting on, and she said, "I'm sorry, we can't get you on that." But what you need to do is go away in there to yourself and sit down and have a drink to yourself and something to eat, and I thought, "Well, that's that's something." I got on a half past nine flight, so and I'm was that there. all
1: in in a VIP lounge that you you know? And it was VIP, privileged to go into, or what? Yes, it was a VIP
13: lounge. A uh, manageress that sorted everything out. She didn't need to. It's not her. It's not her. Uh, there's no one half spec yeah. to sort out flights for anybody, but it's, this time, I think it was about half two. She could see how frantic I was.
1: And uh, you were lucky you met the right person at the right time. Oh, oh,
13: I was blessed because I was I was really hoping I was getting on that twenty-fourth flight until she says, "Get yourself away in that lounge." She says, "That's good with me." Just have to drink what you want to drink and eat what you want to eat, and then I thought, well, maybe if I get the half ninth flight it'd be a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they got me in a half ninth late, which left I think forty minutes late, and I got in. I got in the. I got in the Cork at half past eleven, I think. You had a long day. I, well, I left. I left Virginia Beach. Well, I left Chesterfield in Virginia on Thursday morning at. <laughs> I was up at 5 in the morning and I left at 9 to drive to Dulles Airport. That was a Thursday morning and I went right through.
1: When did you get into Cork Airport?
13: Twenty to 12 20 to 12 on Friday. Oh,
1: God, you should be in
13: the Guinness Book <laughs> Records for that. I, 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 I was, They could make a movie about me. I was walking about that airport for, <laughs> for weeks.
1: Oh God. Oh, keep <laughs> your feet on the ground for a while. Anyway, you've earned your stripes, all right. <laughs> well, I don't,
13: I don't know if I should phone your us up and ask him to explain or. Well, I
1: don't know. Put it down to experience, man. You'll have no luck there anyway. <laughs> no no really, 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 cheers really, mickey really, thanks for taking really, really. the call appreciate it you remember on friday i was telling you that um, an irish flag i couldn't believe that it went so cheap now everything's relative i know 2800 euros a lot of money in some ways of course it is but an irish flag from the state car of michael collins sold for 2800 pounds at auction in belfast this week well seamus is after going and tracking down the man who bought it his name is oliver page oliver good morning
14: Good morning Neil, how are you?
1: I'm well, have you taken delivery of the flag? I have taken
14: delivery and it is sitting on my table at home and I am enjoying it And tell me, were you surprised at the price? I can't believe my look. I can't believe my look. I thought this thing would have went through the roof because S- about about uh, I'm not exactly sure about seven months ago uh, the same auction house, Bloomfield Auctions auctioned off Michael Collins' walking cane They
1: did in September ah. of last year
14: yeah, uh, and it made 52,000 Pounds, yeah I could not believe my luck when I, when I got the flag and I, That, I, that walking stick from.
1: sold for five times higher than the expected price That's correct, yes Which is amazing considering. and tell us about the flag I mean, what's the provenance behind it? The provenance Would you like me to read the letter of it? Sure, you yeah, please He's oh. one of our own Collins, <laughs> as you know Mary, hey, listen.
14: Is your is your neighbour? Yeah. Is your neighbour? Listen. Yeah. Original tricolour that was on Michael Collins's state staff car. Provenance: the current owner has stated that the piece was passed on to her down through the family. Her maternal grandmother, Mary or May Cunningham, me Fitzpatrick, was from a very well-to-do family and very close friend of Michael Collins and indeed Uncle Mick, as he became known to the family, visited the house regularly in Ballsbridge. Michael himself is said to have given the piece to the grandmother as keepsakes. Mary Fitzpatrick later married Joseph Cunningham, who was a turf accountant. The Cunninghams later became directors of Shamrock Rovers. They may have been the family's possession from the day and hour they were given to it by Mary Fitzpatrick. From her own inspect from our own inspection, the material looks period and we are very satisfied at the authenticity of the said subject.
1: So, so that, are. yeah, that proves you have the real McCoy. Didn't it somebody oh, didn't listen, they also <laughs> sell a lock of his hair, I think, wasn't it true? I think it made either ten or fifteen thousand. <laughs> So Definitely I
14: really not to dig him up again. <laughs> don't <be saying> that. <laughs> no, oh so
1: what Like, did had you had expected it to go more? Did you expect it to be outbid or oh, what? No, I thought it wouldn't have been on the running
14: uh middle, I thought it wouldn't have been on the run. I couldn't believe me look when the hammer went down at two eight, couldn't
1: believe me look. And was this a physical um, auction or was it an online auction or what? Well, I, I
14: was online, it, it, it was uh, Bloomfield East Belfast, Bloomfield Auctions, and I was online. My son set it up for me. I wouldn't be completely okay with that. Yeah, okay. All right. okay. He, he set it up for me and showed me how he bid, and it, it, it just went up. The last bid was going on at two 2.6, and my next bid was 2.8, and I couldn't believe it when what the did hammer it, went down. What did, th- what did the flag start at? The flag started, they were they were estimating it would make between a thousand or eight hundred and a thousand pound. See, and I think it's bizarre
1: I, considering the history, you know. It started for a thousand and it sold it. for two thousand eight hundred, but yet it was the Irish flag on his state car going back to the nineteen twenties. Would it have I sold it for more if it was back. sold in Cork or Dublin, do you think?
14: Well, I often follow White auctions in Dublin. Yeah, and they they were doing a lot of his stuff there, not not that long back, you know. But I mean, you say I, I, I just honestly, I'm sitting here and I can't believe me. Look, <laughs> I'm still I still haven't come around uh, Some uh, Wednesday since the auction.
1: And it, it, this is something that is relatively new to you. Is that you started studying Irish history late enough? I'm told. Is that right? I
14: started. I sort of went on the semi-retirement, and I do I keep on my hand a small bit of work, but I went on the semi-retirement, and I was always interested in Irish history. So when I went on December retirement, I started reading up and I started looking at auctions and started looking at things and collecting things. And the more I read, the more interested I got. And it's, it's just a fascination with me.
15: And where are What's you, in the, where yeah, are you I've, north at the border? Started, where, where
14: do you... I've actually started, uh, three, four years ago, I've, I've actually started text up the Irish language. So <laughs> I'm a student of that Irish language as well.
1: <laughs> Good man yourself. <laughs> How's that going for you, the of fuckle?
14: I uh, listen. I have a, I'm a mentor, uh, uh, uh Fargo Hagan or Fargo McGuigan and he's is a gentleman, and he's he, he takes me every week for Irish, and uh, I'm coming on <laughs> like a house and fire. <laughs> what
1: part of the north are you living in? I'm living in Derry. I'm just on the border at Muff. I can tell you one thing: when we were down, when we were in lockdown, and not flying anywhere, and everybody was driving places. Uh, I drove north, actually, I went to Belfast, and yep. I went to Derry. Derry just was an incredible experience for me. Such a beautiful Derry. city, beautiful people, gorgeous place. You have said it, and you know this, it's getting better oh, every day. I love the people. A lot of similarities to Cork, you know, in size and, yep. you know, even the attitude of the people, very friendly.
14: Yeah, well, my, my our holiday destination was hoping to be Cork this year. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm hoping to go on a few of the tours Come on down, uh, when are you coming down? I'm, fo- I'm following Tom Barry presently at the minute
1: uh, You need to come to Cork City you can get onto the hop on hop off bus that's great fun around the city yeah, and yeah. you can visit where well, Tom Barry used to live on the corner of uh, Patrick Street and Dawn Square
14: Well I'm reading, I'm, I'm following him at the minute and to be honest with you
1: it's very very interesting I'm delighted that we had a chance just, to chat I'm, I'm engrossed, I'm engrossed still
14: and but t- listen, yeah, I'm and still t- on a high with a flag. I can't get over it. All right, um, and what kind of condition
1: <laughs> is it in? Is it clean? You wouldn't be washing it in the tumble... And don't give it a wash or anything. No, you wouldn't I do anything like that. Better believe
14: it. I have it sitting here in front of me, Neil. And it is like a... It looks like me
1: to, like, to be like an Irish lemon. You're not going to throw it up on a flagpole and get it up in the morning and down in the evening, no? Well,
14: really you sure I'm not? This doesn't come... Out it. I'm actually... I've been with a, a, a photographer who frames... Uh, photographs and I'm looking to get it framed now along with the, the letter and along with the photograph of Collins's car, the Rolls Royce <laughs> That's right um, I am telling you, I'm on a high and I don't know when I'm going to come down
1: You're going to keep it though, I think, are you? You, you made uh, off like yeah. a bandit at 2800 euro Well done
14: <laughs> I would keep it and I would gladly pass it on when my old age comes to <laughs> a, some <laughs> museum or I would donate it to.
1: You can give it to Fitz. You can give it to our own museum in Fitzgerald's Park. Do you hear me? Put that in your will, <laughs> will you, Oliver? <laughs> Good luck. Well done. Thanks for taking the call. Welcome you, Appreciate speaking to you. Thanks very much. Cheers, on, Oliver Page. Well done. Talk to Neil
2: Prendergast now.
1: There are countries that did take lower than us, actually, with regards to Ukrainian refugees, for instance. You look at the likes of Denmark, 30,000, when you compare it to Ireland's thirty five, but again, the Germans took 800,000. Or places like Norway, 18,000, or the Greeks, 15,000. So we're not down at the bottom of it, not far off it, but we're certainly not at the bottom. We're kind of uh, two-thirds done, I suppose. Get off the fence, Prendival. Our own people are being dislodged to house Ukrainians. The Polish can well house them. They have the massive country that they have and population, unlike us, fall out of your ivory tower, for God's sake. You know, I have to be very... Th- Listen, you're entitled to your your text and your opinion, but I have to be very careful that uh, I try and keep a, keep a control on things so we're not whipping up hatred, or we're not ha- whipping up division, or we're not whipping up racism against people who come here to flee war and terror. Of course, I never, ever, ever said for a moment that Irish people are being forgotten about. Of course, they are when it comes to housing or opportunities to find a home or be able to buy a home or rent a home. Uh, But I don't think that wagging a stick at Ukrainian refugees is the answer to it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I saw something at the weekend, Uh, where they're talking about modular homes the headline said an upcoming project to house ukrainian refugees could be the first of many in ireland modular homes can be assembled on site in as little as four hours while the process also produces considerably less waste than conventional buildings. And this was a story that I read online. And I was thinking, my God almighty, why did it take a war in Ukraine to decide that modular homes can be built within four hours and families could be living in them by the end of the day? I mean, they're not ideal, but the photographs that I've seen of some of the modular homes they're not all that far off What looks like a real home to me but there you have it nonetheless uh, lines are open on that one uh, pick up the phone text 0868104106 last word this morning actually is a headline from Cork Bio today Donal Good morning Neil, how are you doing? I'm good, so they just put it into my hand I mean, I can't defend it uh, it says Spanish resort towns, restaurants ban Cork shirts, swim trunks and tank tops why has that annoyed you? Because it's a very cheap headline, Neil, to uh, get readership. I, I, Look, I have no grudge
12: with Cockpeo. I actually complimented them several times on a video footage that they did uh, during the, the floods in Cork and that kind of stuff. So th- that headline hit me straight in the face, and I knew straight away it, it, it was untrue. It's it's true in the sense that they have banned football tops and swimwear, but internationally, they have not mentioned Cork I've seen it somewhere else. That was Dublin jer- jerseys. I've seen somewhere else. That was British jerseys. A couple of news uh, agencies reported it correctly and just stated that they were banning football tops and swimwear. So
1: different well, Cork- news feeds are adapting it to their own market, saying in exactly. Cork it's and Cork, that- Cork shirts, in Dublin it's Dublin shirts, and you know. And
12: that- that's disgraceful behavior, Neil, uh, on behalf of those agencies because. Why put a headline like that up? There's there's truth in it in one sense. Technically, they are right,
1: though, that if you were wearing a cork shirt, you will
12: be banned. It's not right, Neil, to quote uh, an article and put your own flavor on how that article was written.
1: Because it's not exclusively cork tops that are banned.
12: Absolutely not, Neil. It's internationally. Nobody mentioned any area, even uh, in some cases it says British... Football tops. British, some of the British press have reported this in the way it should have been
1: reported. That they banned them in general. Okay, and, and what they, is the backstory to this? It's Mallorca, where they're fed up a holidaymaker.
12: Palma de Mallorca, yeah. Apparently, uh, a group of restaurants have kind of come together and came up with the agreement that they would not accept people in with football tops. No. I find that extraordinary because football tops never made anybody behave drunk in a drunken no, or unruly no, uh, way. There's
1: many a time when Drinkers. I'm overseas, I see people with uh, sports tops on them, and they're with their partners and their children and the grown adults, and, and they Absolutely. are not troublemakers. They are not. And
12: the, that's all. I believe myself. This is my opinion. That's a kind of, a, I suppose, uh, a security for for families and for Irish people in general that when they go abroad like that. They like to connect with people from their own country. I, I'm i not in that vein, to be honest with you, but there are a lot of people that uh, enjoy the company of uh, fellow countrymen ah, yeah. when, uh, when they're on holidays. Some do, some prayer. don't. Oh.
1: Some go to Irish yeah, pubs, some don't. Mind you, it's not just football shirts, though. Swimsuits, I suppose, yes. togs, walking into yes. a pub with togs on. Yes. Tank tops, uh, gold chains, glow hats, and anything that's sold from street vendors, all on the list. Yeah. Be- they're having a problem apparently with drunken tourism. Is that it? Yeah, but
12: then look what Cork Bureau have done now. They've kind of almost made it look like that the cock jersey and the cock people had been banned from restaurants for drunkenness and and, and lotus behaviour. Well, I think they need to correct that, Neil. And they need to they to take it down immediately and and speak the truth and and don't be putting up stuff that it doesn't refer to cock. Or any other county, or village, or country. It refers to internationally, I'm
1: sure. It's an it's an inaccurate it, headline. And, and Neil, but I, I think, you, but that's a form storms. of that's a form of clickbait, isn't it? Where you'll click on that story thinking, that, yeah. like, oh my god, yeah. cork, shirts, yeah. what's going on?" And yeah, you go in and you wrong, find it's you? not true. Yeah. yeah,
12: that's wrong. That's wrong. Wrong in, wait, in every man's language. That's a wrong thing to do. Yeah. And I think the Spanish restaurants will have more to worry about, Neil, because I think the Spanish restaurants are suffering already with the way tourism has gone, with flights being cancelled and COVID and all sorts of stuff going on in the world. And if they are deciding to do that, that's their right if they want to do that. And I'm sure some of the clientele will be very much in in favour of it. But that article has been very, very, very poorly used by cock And I, I honestly think they need to apologise to the of Have people. You, have you got on to them about it? I, I sent, mean, I don't have time uh, right now, but I mean, have I, you? Well, my wife and myself discussed it and my wife sent an email to uh, the, uh, I think he's the deputy editor. Yeah. I think he's credited with writing the article um, I haven't. We haven't had a response yet.
1: Okay, sure. I can give them, We can give them a quick balance. See if they feel if they feel that the uh, headline misrepresented the story and was a slur on Cork. Well, now,
12: let me ask you a question. Ask the people of Cork. Have we been misrepresented with that headline? Here's and what I the
1: headline says. Spanish resort towns restaurants ban cork shirts, swim trunks, and tam tank tops. Oh,
12: that is a very very uh, cheap. It, it, it headline, to be
1: honest. Neil. All right, my man, let's um, see what they have to say on the matter. Okay, we we'll pick it up in the morning. I hope the world
12: was fun, Neil, because I'd love to have a conversation with the guy that wrote it, and and I'll just ask him what was he thinking about when he did
1: it. Let me see if well, I can hey, facilitate thank that. Thank you
12: for giving me the chance Cheers, to let so here
1: for. Our lines to stay open. You can text 0868104106. Email if you have a story to share, Neil at redfm.ie, and pick up the phone as always on 0818104106. Have a good day. Um, i get back on the fence now. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.
0: This is another Red FM podcast. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, for more podcasts, check out redextra.ie. It's full of great Red FM content.